Has the sun been particularly annoying for the last week to anybody else? I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if it's just when I like get in here and when I leave here. The sun has been like I've got a. It, it's like it's got a personal vendetta against me. It's been hellish. I don't know how to describe it. I'm also worried that maybe I got a concussion somehow and I just don't know about it. I feel like the sun has been out to get me with a knife for the last, ever since it came back. Because remember, it was gone for a little while there. Like it's been really bright? No, like, like it's been particularly, when it's been on its way up and on its way down, it's been particularly obnoxious. I'm telling you. When I, it's up in the air, who cares? But I'm in here during those hours. I'm I saying in the morning say. when I'm coming in, and when I leave here around 5 o'clock, it's been nightmarish. I Now I'm starting to worry that it's me. I think now it is I'm you. starting to worry I, that I, there's, there's I think some, it's been a, I think we've had some pretty pretty nice sunsets the last couple or like the, this past week. I didn't ask about that, Griffin. That doesn't so do I, anything. I, didn't ask about I don't the have sunsets. an issue. In the morning when I do drive, there uh, it is kind of like coming right at me cuz I'm coming from Carroll County, so it's like kinda, I'm like kind of staring at it the entire way. In, so it is a little annoying in the morning for me. Okay, but yeah, it's a and more than and a when little. I'm pulling out of my driveway, there's actually this one spot where like, maybe, or, or like yeah, maybe you're street. starting to realize that I'm onto something. Yeah, maybe but it's like for like it's like for maybe five seconds. Yeah, no, it's like the entire time I'm coming off of like so on Delaney Valley. There's a good amount of trees in the area, but when I get through that, when I when I pull into Towson, there's there's no long, it's just hell. It's just right on top of me. Like, God, what did I do to you, dude? I'm pretty sure I'm a, a nice guy. I mean, what the hell's going on here? And there's more of us. Um, anyway, sorry. That was what I had. That's all I prepared for this morning. What are we doing now? What do we, what do we, where do we go from here? Glenn Clark Radio. Hi, it's Glenn Clark Radio. That would mean that I'm Glenn and he's Griffin. Got much to do on the program. Coming up in a few minutes, Trey Wingo is going to join us. You, of course, remember Trey from his many years at ESPN, but... Uh, now, among other places, you find him at the 33rd team, and he did their uh, post-game rap uh, for the Ravens-Bengals game. So we'll get his thoughts on the Ravens and all things football, the, the roughing the passer nonsense. So we'll talk about all that with uh, Trey Wingo here in a bit. Uh, also later on this morning, I'm excited about this conversation. Ben Baldwin is uh, a man who's very smart, far smarter than I am. Let's be fair about that. That doesn't take a lot, but he is. Um, and you might know Ben Baldwin for a bunch of reasons. He's the computer cowboy on Twitter. And you've probably seen some of his analytical work in various places as far as um, some of the graphs that he does, uh, basically about offenses and various situations. He's also become very well known for the fourth down bot, the fourth down decision bot that he created at Ben underscore bot underscore Baldwin that's oftentimes sourced when we talk about a team making fourth down decisions. So I've been wanting to do this to discuss the Ravens' decisions. And again, like why a week ago a 2% difference was so worth it but this week a one percent difference maybe wasn't as much worth it um i just want to talk more about how he went about building his algorithms and you know when the numbers matter when you know if it's a two percent difference perhaps you dive more into the numbers and figure out like the risk things along those lines i'm really interested ben baldwin the computer cowboy he's with the athletic 
Um, he's going to join us this morning to talk about the Ravens, their decisions on fourth downs. I am a little bit nervous that he is too smart. Like, I'm a little bit nervous that I'm not going to be able to hang, that once he starts talking, I realize how over out of my depth I am. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, he sounds like a scientist, and I'm just like, right, yeah, data and percentages and, and yeah. Like, I'm just a bit nervous about that when it comes to that conversation. Uh, later on in the 11 a.m. hour, Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun, of course, covers the Orioles. He wrote something today about um, one of the topics that I've been discussing ad nauseum, which is the Orioles and the chances of them, as much as we want to see them sign other players and add to the team, I'd really like to see them sign their own guys. It's something that I've been waiting for for a long time. Now, to be fair, to be fair, we, we threw out a lot of names this year of guys that maybe could be guys that the Orioles could invest in. And for the most part, I think we're pretty glad that they didn't. Uh, you know, at one point we were talking about Austin Hayes as being that guy. At one point we were talking, is it possible that Ramon Arias could be that guy? Now, I don't think I ever loudly said they needed to do it with one of those guys. I think it was just more speculative. Now we got two guys that I think we all agree are are the two guys. And so he wrote about that, and we're going to talk to him about that and, and what else the Orioles might do in the offseason as they say it's liftoff and they're going to spend money and how they're going to spend that money. We'll talk about that with Nathan Ruiz. So all that coming up on the program today. It's also Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. I got the scenarios up on Facebook. We'll get them up here on Twitter in just a second. Uh, no Drew today. I know everybody's very sad. Uh, no Drew. Maybe maybe tomorrow, but probably not. I just don't think we're, we're going to run out of time tomorrow. He was like, I can do tomorrow. And I said, yeah, the thing about tomorrow is we have a show. Like, we we have plans, we're going to do a real show, like, love ya, but I don't think it's going to work out that way. So it's what it is. Today's show is brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. It gets underway tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, we'll go watch horse dancing tomorrow. Or what did, um, what did Jeff Newman call it? Horse figure skating. Tomorrow is the way he described it. Uh, see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events, the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fairhill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Truly an event that is something for everyone. You're not going to want to miss the Maryland Five Star again, October 13th through 16th. That means tomorrow through Sunday, Maryland Five Star. That's number five, star.us. Uh, go support one of the uh, world-class events that chose to make our area its home. Uh, watched a good bit of baseball yesterday. Didn't watch everything, but I watched a good bit. The Astros thing was obviously kind of kind of quite shocking. For a second there, it looked like there was going to be a loud statement to be made about the advantage that the teams might have had playing games this weekend versus the teams that didn't, right? When the Phillies were crushing the Braves and the Mariners had raced out to a huge lead over the Astros, or a significant lead, not a huge lead necessarily, over the Astros. Now, as it turns out, the Braves nearly battled back. They got within a run before they fell short. Um, the Astros did battle back, and then both of the night games were won fairly easily by the home team. So what appeared to be kind of a, um, a developing storyline disappeared quite quickly there wasn't really a significant advantage for the teams that had played this weekend versus the teams that hadn't. Um, you know, in, in fact, maybe you could argue it the other way. The Braves, the Braves thing is the one that's maybe most startling because I think we had accepted in the final weeks of the regular season the Braves as being the third 
World Series favorite. Like everybody was always going to stay with the Astros and the Dodgers is there the, in whatever order you want to make it. The Dodgers and the Astros, Astros and Dodgers as being the two overwhelming World Series favorites. But I think we had painted the Braves for the most part as being the third. And I think a lot of people had painted them as being really kind of the only other team besides those, te- those two teams that had a chance. I know we were talking about that with Jeremy Kahn on Monday. That it just does. It didn't look like any of these other teams really had much of a chance of winning the World Series, but the Braves did. And by dropping game one at home and knowing what the Phillies have coming pitching-wise, they're they're up against it. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't come back, and I'm not suddenly you know, punting on the Braves after thinking they were a legitimate World Series contender just 24 hours ago, but they got to go against Wheeler and Nola now. And... The Astros, sorry, the the Phillies, I don't know why I keep, I don't know what happened there. The Phillies have got to feel really good about the position that they're in, knowing that they've got home field advantage back in the series, and that they get to throw those two dudes, studs. I get it, the Braves obviously have good pitchers too. I'm not pretending like the Braves don't have good pitching. But this is, this is perhaps a major storyline for what we believe to be Again, a viable, legitimate World Series contender. That series continues today. It's the two National League series that play today. Um, That one will be at 4.30, and then the Dodgers and Padres play at 8.30. I'm I'm at least intrigued. I think this is a huge, huge day. I mean, I think it's obvious that it's a huge day for the Braves. They go down 2-0 and have to go back to Philly. They're in a world of hurt, and it ain't going to be easy. They got to go up against Zach Wheeler today. And the Phillies' bats suddenly are ridiculous. Like, all of a sudden, the Phillies look like the best team in the NL East, which is hilarious because they were the afterthought. They were the team we didn't care about in the NL East, which is quite ironic because all of a sudden they look really good. Um, You know, the Astros thing was crazy, not surprising. That's, that's, That's why we think they're that good. They're just so loaded that... Even if you get an early lead on them, even if you can get to a Justin Verlander, they just can hit for days. They like, have the best bullpen in baseball. And they have the best yeah. bullpen in baseball, yes. Not that surprising. It's just not. Um, I mean, it's it's surprising that they got to Verlander, you know what I mean? Like, that part is surprising. But everything else, not surprising at all. I mean, Verlander had been unbelievable all season long. Um, and then last night, nothing surprising. I mean, the only surprising part is that the, the Padres actually showed some fight, right? Because, the, as I keep saying, the Padres thing is Lucy and the football and Charlie Brown. Like, it, you, you can't even pretend like it's exci- an exciting matchup any longer. You know how it's going to go. Like, it's going to go the same way it always goes when the Padres play the Dodgers. I, I, like, I almost feel bad for them because if they were in another division, like, maybe they would be – a. The story of the Padres would be different. But being in the NL West, the story is always exactly the same. They're going to be entertaining to watch right up until they play the Dodgers. Then they're going to get their brains beat in like they always do. That's the way it's going to go. That is the story of the San Diego Padres. And that's a that's sad for them. I once upon a time was making myself a Padres fan because Manny Machado was out there. I'm, I'm just sort of over it at this point. <laughs> like, like, why... 
why um why have a a mistress if your mistress is going to cheat on you too right like they're just going to lose this is the way it's going to go they're just going to get their butts kicked by the dodgers every time so if i don't if i don't have to be emotionally invested i'll probably just choose not to be emotionally invested and i think most of us are on board for some people it's probably still difficult because they just decided they hated the Astros so much that it's tough but I think we're all on board with the idea of wanting to see Trey Mancini win a World Series I think that's where this fan base is I think that in Baltimore we're Trey Mancini fans right now I of course never was the guy that hated the Astros so I don't I don't care about any of that Um, I wanted the Astros to win the World Series a year ago because I like Dusty Baker and there's nothing about the Braves that I like so you know I you're going to miss me with all of that. I said a million times over. Everybody was stealing signs. Yes, the Astros were doing it more comically than everybody else was, but everyone was stealing signs. It's part of baseball. The fact that, like, that literally, the it's it's like the, getting mad to me about the steroid thing. The, baseball didn't test for steroids. You're mad at the wrong people. Baseball had this, the technology existed, and baseball was like, but you're not going to use it, right? Like, they didn't make it against... It was just this sort of, yeah, but you guys would never try to cheat, would you? And I've I just, I've never gotten worked up about it. I'll never be able to get worked up about it. Do I, do I think they quote-unquote cheated? Yeah, I do. I just... My belief is that so did just about every other team in baseball. I think every other team in baseball was trying to... I mean, it, it's an honor... In fact, we jokingly talk about how stealing signs is part of the game. We were just infuriated because of the specific way that they were going about stealing signs, and I, I, I've never been able to. I mean, I've never been able. I've just never been able to get worked up about it the way that you guys have. And you know, if that makes me a bad person, so be it. But I'm not. I'm not capable of rooting against the Astros for those reasons. And so the presence of Trey Mancini makes it very easy for me to say that's the team that I'm rooting for because there's also no other. Like, what is the other embraceable storyline? Root against the Yankees. And I mean, fine. Of course you'll root against the Yankees, I guess, obviously. I guess the Mariners just because they're a little bit more fun, but then they're but, playing the Astros. What is the connection? Nothing. Like, what is the – what what association do you feel with the Mariners? Like, I think they're a good story. Don't get me wrong. I like the story, but I feel no connection or association with them. And – you know what I guess what I'd say is I'm I'd very fearful that if the Mariners were to beat the Astros then the Yankees would skull drag them and then we'd have to deal with the Yankees so you, you can't sell me on anything else I'm rooting for the Astros period you All can right. be mad about it you can you know want to scream about the Astros cheating and how, how you don't like uh, Jose Altuve or whatever you want to say scream uh, all all your little lungs out there's just no other we're gonna root for the Dodgers they're they're the Yankees. We just don't play in the same division as them, so we don't care about it the same way. They're, it, it's, it's horrible for baseball that the Dodgers just keep signing everybody. By the way, all the players that you want the Orioles to go get this offseason, they'll probably be Dodgers next year. The Dodgers are, in fact, worse than the Yankees are. They just sign everyone. Everything be damned. So you, you think I'm going to feel good about that? Look, and I love to root for the Padres, but I just said the football's going to be pulled away from them because it's always pulled away from them. Like, that's the way that it goes. So uh, what am I left with? The Phillies? I'll go with the Braves, I guess. 
Why? Because they're kind of built like the Orioles, or the Orioles are, I guess, built like them. So, like, if if they, as they continue to have success, you know, it's a good sign for the Orioles, and I, I maybe would, it's a I, sign to the Orioles that they need to keep locking down their. Well, like that, that to me, I don't think they're built like the Orioles. I think the better argument would be that you want the Orioles to be like the Braves. Yeah. Like that's yeah, that's, that's that's what I was trying to that's say. That's fine, but that doesn't mean I'm rooting for them. That's insane. That, and then, by the way, I, I've still never been able to escape the awkwardness of the chop and the whole thing. Like, I'm not. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm out. You know, I don't hate the Braves. I don't I don't feel strongly about it, but rooting for them? They just won the World Series last year. Like what the hell? All right, I'm just not going to watch baseball then, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm going to watch baseball. <laughs> like I'm so confused. So are you a, an Astros gonna, hater? That's your thing. You I, I don't hate the Astros, but yeah. I, I don't really I don't feel like rooting for them either. I, I they, don't have I you heard of Trey always, Mancini? I know I have heard of Trey Mancini. Are you familiar with but his work? I, I am. You're aware of I'd what he meant to our city? I, I kind of feel the same how, uh, well, I guess I feel a little more for Trey Mancini, but I was going to say how we felt for Steve Pierce when he won with the Reds. No. Are you are you trying to compare Steve Pierce well, to Trey Mancini? No. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, guy? I just don't. I just don't. And, I, I and, can't, I can't and, root for the Astros And, by hard. the way, I'd be more inclined to root for Trey Mancini on the Red Sox, but it would still be the Red Sox. Like, I would understand why it is that even if, if Trey Mancini was a Red Sox right now in the playoffs, if Trey Mancini had gone to the Yankees, for example, was in the playoffs, I would root against him. I mean, that'd be the reality. I would say, Trey, I love you, but I'm rooting against you. I don't – you, you have to have venom towards the Astros over the cheating thing in order to not be able to to, to root for Trey Mancini. I think it's going to be whatever betting angle I find for that day. Okay. And right. then whoever right. I decide, I'm, right. I'm with. I, I like it when we do – I like it when the fan base does something together. I like it when yeah. the city yeah. enjoys something together. And I think enjoying seeing Trey Mancini happy – um, is something that everybody should be able to get behind. I would like to hope that everybody can get behind it. Of course, I probably know better than that. It is what it is. Um, the moral of the story being that's that's where my and and again I'll give you it's mild. Like I'm not I'm not sitting down every night to watch the Astros. I'm not. It's a mild rooting interest. Hey, the playoffs are going on. I want to see Trey Mancini happy, and I've got nothing else. Again, I mean, if in some bizarro world, Lucy leaves the football down this time and the Padres are able to do something, we could talk about Manny Machado at that point. But that's not going to occur. She's going to pull the football away. They're going to lose the Dodgers. And then what? And I'm just left with nothing else. I'm left with this and just this. I, I want well for Trey Mancini. I'll always want well for Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini is a Dodger. So it is. I'm rooting for Trey Mancini. That's the way it goes. Deal with it is all I can say. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. As we found out yesterday, single game parlay plus now available. So you can include both teams from the same game in a single game parlay bet that you build. And you can build it up to 25 legs. And I'm not going to lie. I'm interested. I'm interested in building a 25 leg single game parlay um not only that but also you can still uh register to win a pair of super bowl tickets you make a 25 dollars super bowl futures bet you then take that bet register at fanduel.com slash sbnaz and you could win two tickets to the super bowl in arizona fanduel sportsbook live casino and hotel maryland Ravens starting to get ready for the New York Giants on Sunday. By the way, did you hear the story that the Giants punter hasn't uh, been able to get back from London yet? Apparently, 
Jamie Gillum, who I didn't know went to high school in Leonardtown. I had no idea that, like, it's a kind of a crazy story. He's, I believe, originally Scottish, has a, like, passport issue and has not been able to return from London from the game that they played against the Packers. So they they think he's going to be back in time, but could be an interesting storyline going into the Ravens game this week. It's a very weird – I mean, like, I'd, I'd, if you knew that maybe there was a problem – Perhaps you don't have him go to London. I don't know. I don't know. Believe it or not. Scottish I'm, hammer. I'm not. That, the Scottish hammer. Exactly <laughs> right. I, believe it or not, I'm not an expert on international relations. So maybe I'm not the authority on the uh, situation with the Giants and their punter. Let's talk a little more Ravens right now. This man among his jobs now. He is with the 33rd team. And he was doing uh, some post-game stuff after the Ravens-Bengals game on Sunday night. It is always a pleasure to welcome in a legend. The man himself, Mr. Trey Wingo, who's with us now on GCR. Trey, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up as always. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, no worries. Uh, by the way, that, that international passport thing can bite a lot of people. A buddy of mine was going on a trip to Scotland this summer. Didn't realize until he got to the airport his passport had expired. Somehow he okay. managed to get through the country anyway, oh, no. but on the way back he was flagged and he had to spend like four extra five days in Scotland. Oh. So it's a little more common than you think. Okay, so I, this is actually embarrassing for me, Trey. I, uh, I took a cruise with uh, my family this summer, arrived at the, yeah. uh, the terminal, and went to show them my passport to find out that my wife had given me my expired old passport. Uh, <laughs> no. Literally had to, like, it's a scene like out of Home Alone. Like, I had to race back, yeah. find my passport, and get back just in time, forgetting that I put, I still had my expired passport. So I get out in Jamaica and I have my expired passport with me when I try to get back on the boat, and it's it nearly became an international incident. So you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be judging, <laughs> as I, too, have That's been through sick. this situation. Um, uh, what, what's the old saying? The devil's in the details. A hundred percent. First of all, I did have to say to my wife, why did we keep the expired passport? Why was that an option? What are we doing here? Uh, Trey, no good. I, I know that uh, the history of the game and 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 context is something that that you focus on. I know uh, it's you got a whole podcast about it at this point. How how do you describe Justin Tucker within like the it, the funny thing is he's still a kicker, right? Like he's still not yeah. an every down football player, and and he jokes about how he's not even watching the games most of the time, right? Like how do we describe? his place in the history of football after seeing again just how significant he was to the Baltimore Ravens this week? Well, let's, let's put it this way. You know, you mentioned the podcast, and I have half forgotten history. It's on my YouTube page, Trey Wingo Presents, and wherever you get your podcast. But we did one last year. We had three kickers on. Robbie Gold, who's still active and one of the best kickers in the history of the NFL, Jay Feely, and Lawrence Pines, who both had long-lasting careers in the NFL. And before I could even finish the question, who's the greatest kicker, at, they all said Justin Tucker. Like, it wasn't even close. I couldn't even get the sentence out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I brought up the Adam Vinatieri thing, and they're like, yeah, I get it. But, like, because he's, you know, we've seen him in those Super Bowl kicks in the first three Patriots Super Bowls. It was a, it was a, it was a fourth quarter field goal by Adam Vinatieri that ended up being the, uh, the game deciding points. But Vinatieri has never had a run during his regular season like what we've seen from Justin Tucker. Like, I, I, I call him the Mariano Rivera of football, although, you know, that's somewhat difficult because we've seen Mariano time in and time out of World Series just put people to bed. And, you know, that's not Justin Tucker's fault that he hasn't been in that position. There's never been a guy 
that I can think of, like, oh, 56 yards, right. he's not going to miss. Right. Like, he's never going to miss. You know, like, it doesn't even – like, the day Justin Tucker misses a game-winning kick, I think the world ends tomorrow. I mean, it's, it's like there are very few certainties in life, and that's one of them. He is remarkably automatic, remarkably consistent. And I did love his post-game interview after the Sunday night game. He introduced me to a new term, which I had never heard of, game-winning hold yep, and by a, the holder. A, I thought that was pretty a system kicker. Cool. A system kicker. Yeah, right, sure. yeah, anybody, at that we point, anybody can make kickers. the kick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, we love Justin around here, and, and, and he's been an awful lot of fun to be around for a decade. But, it, I mean, it's 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 really remarkable. It's really remarkable. It's, it's almost auda- the audacity of, well, we're inside the 40. We don't really have to worry too much about getting any more yards. Like, we're good. Such, it, <laughs> it's such a coaching luxury right? for John Harbaugh and his staff. We just need to get to the 40-yard line, yep. the game's over. Yep. We got it. We're good. No one have to worry about anything at that point. Um, uh, Trey, big picture. We, you know, we've seen a lot of a lot of good. We've seen a fair amount of bad from the Ravens five games in. They they got a big win, but they're still also the same team that's blown multiple three possession leads at home this season. Five weeks into the season, what do you make of the the totality of the Baltimore Ravens? Well, this is sort of the duality of it, right? Because we just talked about Justin Tucker being the ultimate closer. If you put him in a position to win the game. He will win the game, but that's been the problem for the Ravens. They can't close. They can't get to Justin Tucker or finish off a team. And you mentioned those two uh, 17-point leads blown both both away at home. Just to put in perspective what we're seeing along those lines, both the Raiders and the Ravens have now lost multiple games in which they had a lead of 17 points or more. For that to put into some sort of perspective, in the history of the NFL – We've only had two other instances where one team has given up two 17-point leads in the fourth quarter, or 17-point leads and, and lost that game. Only two other teams, uh, a Chargers team, I think it's 2011, and another team who's uh, escaping me right now. So, like, that's only happened twice in NFL history through five weeks. We've already had two teams do it through five weeks this season. That's crazy. Does it? Does it? I mean, how do you measure it against the good, right? Like, how do you measure it against? This is Lamar Jackson, who I know didn't have his most brilliant performance on Sunday night, but had been pretty damn good for the four weeks leading up to that. Um, how do you measure that against the good and trying to figure out? Like, I, I I think the Ravens are a viable Super Bowl contender, right? Like, I think they are, but clearly they they've got to be better defensively. They've got like. I don't know exactly how to define what I think the Ravens are. Well, the good news is you don't need to know. Like we said, it's only five weeks in. That's fair. Week six. Yes. Like, all this stuff doesn't matter until like, the Giants, who they're playing this week, are trying to go you know, 5-0 outside the division for the first time since 1990 when they won, won Super Bowl 25. I mean, the Giants have won some of the ugliest Super Bowls after some really weird and ugly regular seasons. How the Ravens' first Super Bowl? You guys didn't score an offensive right. touchdown for, for five weeks. Yeah. Five weeks. Right. I mean, how do, how do you do that? So you don't have to worry about it now, but forget Lamar Jackson. Everyone's going to have a bad game, right? Let's be honest. The Ravens' issue is they stink at pass defense. Like, they're dead last. You couldn't be any worse. DFL. And that's the reason that the Dolphins game was lost, and that's a big reason why even in the slop that, that Bills game was lost. The good news is you're playing a giant team who can't pass their way out of a paper bag. So, I mean, like, that's, the best, that's the best news for this week. Like, if, you, if, you want, if your weakness is pass defense, you want to play the Giants and you want to play the Bears because yeah. they're terrible at it. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, the, the Ravens are, are, are a very interesting team. But, you know, you mentioned are they legitimate Super Bowl contenders. 
I think so, but eventually they're going to have to get through one of those other two teams, the Bills and Kansas City. No I mean, question. Those are the, that's the only thing I know for certainty, is that those two teams are going to be there at the end. And, and they're going to meet in the postseason, I believe, just a matter of where that game's going to be played and what happens on Sunday could dictate that. But everyone else, I feel like, is sort of in this maybe category. Even the Philadelphia Eagles, God bless them, has been oh, a lot of being right. football. Right. I get it, but like, I got to see this. I, I saw what happened last week. Last year in the postseason, when, when the playoff game was a little too fast for Jalen Hurts, you know, mm-hmm. he was a little slow on all his reads. He's played much better this year. He's been phenomenal. But I'm one of those guys, like, I spent six years working in St. Louis, Missouri. It's the show me state. When you show me, I'll believe you. I get it. I get, I, by the way, I'm probably in the same boat as you with the, the Eagles, where, like, yeah. I, I think they're good. I think, they, I think we all knew they were how good yeah. their roster was, right? But. You know, right, right. like they, they still have to prove it in order to fully buy in. Trey Wingo with us on GCR. Well, Trey, Trey, would you, like, knowing that the Ravens are going to have to do something with Lamar Jackson here, like, when the season is over, I, I assume when the season is over, would you be more inclined to be aggressive if you were the Ravens? Like, would you be on the phone with the Panthers talking about Brian Burns, you know, maybe even DJ Moore to help out at wide receiver? Would you be trying to find edge rush help? Would you be saying, hey, this this year might be our best chance because we're going to either have to give a boatload of money to Lamar Jackson or, you know, the bizarro world where they decide to move on from him, which would be insane. They don't have Lamar Jackson any longer, right? Like, would you be aggressive in saying, hey, this might be our chance. We need to be a a little bit more, um, you know, all in than perhaps we've been to this point. Well, first of all, they just signed Jason Pierpont. So, I mean, there, there comes potential edge help, you know, I mean, right away. We saw him collect a couple of passes, I think, in that, in that Sunday night game. So there, there's your edge presence ready right there. The wide receiver thing, like, Devin DuVernay has been great. Like, he's been unbelievable this year. Rashad Bateman's made some big plays. You know, before they got Demarcus Robinson, guys, in the offseason after the Raiders cut him, there wasn't a wide receiver on the Ravens' depth chart that had more than 53 career That's receptions. So, correct, yeah. you know, they, they went into it. A little little cupboard bare, but I think Duvernay has been great, and Bateman has been good enough. I, I, I'm not sure, um, you know, w- whether or not adding another receiver is going to be the difference. I, like the, the whole Ravens, the the Lamar Jackson contract is fascinating on so many levels. I, agree. I, I mean, he's a he's a former MVP who's they've built a system around him. All right, they've built an, an offense with you know 73 tight ends tongue-in-cheek that that is is the way they want to attack the field and mark andrews is one of the best in the business so if you built an entire team based around lamar jackson's skill set how this deal has not done yet and put to bed makes no sense to me and and people can say well it's because lamar doesn't have an agent look lamar's not dumb he knows what deshaun watson got and everyone's going to try and say from an offensive uh, from a team front office perspective oh that contract was an outlier it's not it's the new normal I mean, you know, if you're Lamar Jackson, why would you agree to a deal for $140 million in guaranteed money, which is $100 million less right. than Deshaun Watson, and you've been appreciably better in your career and accomplished more things? Like, every, that's why everybody hates Cleveland. They literally, every other front office hates the Browns for that contract that they put into place uh, for Deshaun Watson, and it, it, that's the way it's going to be. So people are going to say, oh, no, 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 you're right. That was an outlier. We don't want that. No, they're like, that's what we want plus X. That's the new deal. Trey, I'm I'm in agreement. By the way, I'm kind of stunned that like the next the next two quarterbacks didn't you know get anything near what Deshaun Watson got because the yeah. truth is like I, w- you can be mad about it and the other owners can make stink faces at you all yeah. you want, but th- if this is what it takes, if it's it's either go fully guaranteed or not have Lamar Jackson, like what 
what is the conversation at this point? What are we doing? You have to have your well, guy. There's there's no way around well, that, this. That, that, but that's the other part of this that's, that's fascinating. Like, if we're being honest about it, if they've let it get to this point, right. that's something they have to have had cross their minds. I'm not saying it's a path they're choosing, but I'm saying it's certainly a conversation they're having if their last offer was that significantly short on guaranteed money. I mean, that's, that, to me, that's almost the more interesting part about this. Are the Ravens really envisioning a scenario in which they believe it's plausible to just let Lamar go? Now, I get it. They have the franchise tag and all that kind of stuff, but I don't think that's going to sit very well with Lamar, and he can make things very difficult for them along those lines. It's a, so, boy, I, I, it, that's, it, what it, a nightmare scenario you're presenting right now. Yeah. Like, but, I, I mean, like, I, it, has to have, it has to have been across somebody's conversation because otherwise we wouldn't be here. I hear we wouldn't you. be here. I have thought, and, and tell me, I have thought that it makes sense for them to drag their feet, right? Like, let's see what happens this yeah. year. Maybe somebody else, maybe the Chargers out of nowhere say, here's a guaranteed, fully guaranteed deal for Justin Herbert, and then you don't, you're not the bad yeah. guy any longer if you do it. Like, I've thought, hey, there was no real deadline right. here. Why You don't have to do it right now. Lamar has been willing to be a good, you know, a, a good soldier, if you will. I don't know if I like using that term, but you get the point. Like, he's he's yep. been willing to play ball and go out and say, hey, I want to win a Super Bowl. I'm not going to hold out. I'm not going to hold in. I'm not going to demand a trade. Everybody's on board. We don't have to do it right now. We won't do it right now. To your point, like, if they really are thinking about the possibility of not doing it, whoa you know like whoa but i i've kind of come around to the idea of hey you didn't have to do it right now you allow for the opportunity for other things to unfold maybe at one point lamar walks in and says hey look maybe it doesn't need to be fully guaranteed but it needs to be more guaranteed than what you've done so far and then you can save face and and you can get a deal done at that point whatever it is i just i've been okay with the idea that dragging your feet doesn't hurt you at the moment because we are talking about something significant in the history of football with fully guaranteed deals, and there wasn't a hard deadline to have to get it done right now. Well, no, you're 100% right on that. Like, the deadlines are all arbitrary until right. he walks out the door. Right. right. All of that. Like, I mean, like, he, he's like, I'm not negotiating during the season. They offer him a fully guaranteed contract. Guess what? He'll negotiate he's going to sign it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, right. you know, the, the one thing I the only thing I can great certainty is this is what you just said. Mars going to say, yeah, we're guaranteed money. You want to get this done? That would be a lot yep. more guaranteed money. Yep. Yep. That's the way it goes. Hey, uh, Trey, but before I let you go, if I could, you're – you obviously know. I, I really wrestle with all of the, the the people that are losing their minds about these kind of egregious roughing the passer calls that we've seen the last couple of yeah. weeks because I get it. It it does. Some of them have looked gross. The Ravens dealt with it last week with Brandon Stevens and alleged. I mean, he he tried to hold him up and gently put him to the ground. All, all he didn't do was put a pillow under it. Correct. You know? I, what I struggle with, of course, is as much as people whine about how it hurts football. I don't know how much I want the rule to change because, like you, you know, I've dealt with so many former players for whom CTE is extraordinarily real. Um, yeah. You, like, I, I, it's very difficult for me with friends that are, are I, I watch it in the middle of a conversation when they're dealing with it. I don't know what the correct answer is. It's easy to say, hey, that was egregious on Sunday with Tom. That's insane. How do you ever make that call? But I'm also not sure how much I really want them to, to change the rules because I don't know that it's good for football, and I definitely don't know that it's good for health to to try to go back through and you know put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point. I don't know how we handle the, the totality of this. Well, that, that's a great point. You're right. I've dealt with a bunch of people and friends of mine who have dealt with it and will be dealing with it. So I completely understand that. Here's here's the way I would say: Let's just call the rules the way they're written. 
okay? Like, for example, let's take the two most egregious penalties that we saw this past weekend. I forget the Josh Allen one, as bad as that was, but that's, you know, that's Jerome Bofer. He's going to make bad calls. We just know that. Right. Uh, the Grady Jarrett tackle, they said he slung him to the ground. He didn't. The rule is you can't sling the quarterback to the ground. He didn't. He tackled him around the waist and brought him down rather gently. Like, if you want to talk about a quarterback slung to the ground, look at what happened to Patrick Mahomes on a Monday night game uh, against the Raiders. 52 for the Raiders absolutely slung him to the ground. That could have been a penalty. Okay? Now let's take a look at the Chris Jones play. The referee said on the field, Carl Sheffers, he fell on, his, on Derek Carr with his full body weight. That is 100% incorrect. Go look at the play. He strips the ball out with his right hand, takes it out of Derek Carr's hand, puts it in his hand, and as he's falling to the ground, takes his left arm and braces himself so, in fact, he 100% does not put his full body weight on Derek Carr. So both of those plays, if you just called the rules, by the way the rules are written, neither one of those would have been roughing the passer. So I think those kind of penalties need to be reviewable. reviewable yeah. Because that was a game-changing play. Now, listen, because Patrick Mahomes is frickin' Patrick Mahomes, you know, they went on to win that game anyway, even being down 17 points. But that, that was at least a six-point swing because it was 14 to nothing at that point. And, you know, if the, if the Chiefs get the ball, let's, let's say they at least kick a field goal, or maybe they get a touchdown. But before that, uh, they, they had to get, uh, you know, the, 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 um, uh, the, Ra- the, excuse me, the Raiders got a field goal right before the half. Right. You know? So it was, there's, there's all kinds of issues there. But I, I think, I don't, want, I don't want quarterbacks hurt. I want to be clear. And a lot of this is obviously reactionary to what we saw from Tua. But the issue wasn't what happened Thursday night with Tua. He never should have been on the field after what happened Sunday. No doubt. So no let's... Doubt. let's Let's go back to the origin of that. I just think if they're that easily seen by everybody else as wrong, then just call it by the way the rule is actually written and use the video replay. Like I've, Andy Reid a few years ago, and if I'm going on past the break, I apologize. You're good. Well, you're good. It's, you're Trey Wingo. We're going to let you go. We'll, we'll work <laughs> around you. Andy, Andy Reid a few years ago proposed the sky judge in the NFL. Yep. So, so the, yep. the, the referees don't see the game the way we see the game. 100%. They see it on a linear level. We see it in a 360 level, okay? And I have a former official who's a friend of mine who said, you know, Trey, when I was officiating, I thought we were great at what we do. And then I started watching games the way you guys watch games, and I thought, my God, we're terrible. And <laughs> this is an official who was one of the best in the business, has called and been the umpire for Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls. Once they see the game the way we see the game, it changes their perspective dramatically. I flew back a few years ago on a flight with a guy who was logging a preseason game. I said, you work for the NFL? He goes, yeah, I'm one of the officials. And I said, hey, what would you think about the, the NFC championship game, the phantom <laughs> call against, that wasn't called against Mikel Roby Cole? He goes, I was on the field for that game. Oh. We didn't think it was a penalty watching it live. Oh. But when we saw the tape, we're like, oh, my God, how did we miss it? So oh. I wish the NFL and the officials' union – would get over this, oh, we're going to be embarrassing the officials. No, you're embarrassed by missing these things. Like, if you had a sky judge, it would help you. People wouldn't think you were terrible. You could see the things the way we all see them, and it would help you do your job better. Man, we are in complete agreement about sky judging, my friend. And, it, it you know, it's infuriating. Yeah. I've talked to Pereira a bunch, and he's, he's convinced that it's just because one of the other leagues did it first that the NFL, you know, doesn't – doesn't want to right like it's so it's so absurd it's so absurd trey what what all can i you've been so giving of your time this morning sir what all can i get plugs in for you my friend oh thank you well as you mentioned we do stuff for the 33rd team which is really fun 
Uh, I was in Baltimore this uh, two weeks ago, or yeah, two weeks ago for the Bills Ravens game as part of Caesar Sports. I'm the Chief Trends Officer and Brand Ambassador there. We're going to be in D.C. tonight, actually for the Caps home opener against the Bruins. Excited oh, cool. about that. Very cool. Uh, obviously, obviously work for Pro Football Network as their Chief Trends uh, NFL analyst as well. I have a show Spotify Live Monday nights at six o'clock on the app with my friend Mark Schlereth that I worked with for many many years at ESPN. And just a bunch of other stuff in the podcast, Half Forgotten History, wherever awesome. you get your podcast. At Wingo Z on Twitter is how you follow him. Dude, it's always, whenever I get to spend time with you, man, it's always great for me. Truly appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Would love to do it again down the road. You got it, guys. Anytime. Trey Wingo joining us here on GCR. Great stuff from him. Look, man, I'm, I couldn't agree more about Sky Judge. I felt very strongly. You know, we've kind of jokingly talked about it over the years. I, I don't understand why in the hell they wouldn't go to it. And again, the other thing, too, is that you're asking the officials to overturn each other. It needs to be someone separated from that to say, no, guys, you missed it. You just missed it. It's okay. Life will go on. You shouldn't be the ones having to overturn your buddies. Hey, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill is the perfect per- perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill for searing, grilling, baking, and smoking all kinds of food. Get the details. Reserve yours today. Ginsugrills.com. Use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. And get a sample of the cooking from the Ginsu Kamado Grill before every Ravens home game this season at the Game Day Firehouse, located at the Firefighters Union Hall, just west of the stadium, 1202 Ridgely Street. Stop by, try some food, enter to win your own Ginsu Kamado Grill and $500 worth of grilling meats. Ben Baldwin. The fourth down bot guy, the computer cowboy. You've followed him on Twitter for forever. He's with The Athletic now. We're going to talk to Ben next about the Ravens' decision-making. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show too. Back in here on GCR as we continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program, trying to get uh, the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios up on Twitter, at Glenn Clark Radio. They're already up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio. For you to get your responses in, we will go through them a little bit later on today. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Obviously, one of the big storylines of the Baltimore Ravens the last couple of weeks has been their fourth down decision making go back to the Miami game when you know they're up by 14 in the second half they decide to go for it instead of making the three score game we all know what happened near the end of the Bills game and then even this week they made the decision not to go for it when they had it fourth down up by three instead kicked a field goal that made it a 16-10 game I wanted to try to get some more context for the Ravens decision making this man I am a little bit nervous. As we've, this is the first time I've ever had the opportunity to chat with him. I'm a little bit nervous that he's too smart for us and that we are going to be overwhelmed by all of his knowledge. He is the computer cowboy. He's now with The Athletic, and he's the man behind that fourth down bot that you guys like to turn to in all of these situations. He's Mr. Ben Baldwin, and he joins us now here on GCR. Ben, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I always love to talk about this stuff, and the, the Ravens have been one yeah. of the most interesting teams to watch on fourth down during no, these past few years. No doubt. Uh, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been fertile ground for a debate for us here in Baltimore. Um, ben, if I could, before we get into the Ravens' decisions, can you tell me a little bit about your history and why this fascinated you so much and why you went into creating the fourth down bot and why, what what went into how it is that you built this algorithm that you use in these situations? Yeah, so my background is in economics. So during the day, I do basically use data to analyze decisions and policies and things like that. Um, the the origin of the fourth down bot was a couple of years ago, where uh, there's this Thursday night game. I think it was the Buccaneers and Bears, and there was a fourth down decision that everyone was arguing about. And there, at the time, there wasn't really any way to see what a model said about it because you had to wait for. Um, if somebody from ESPN or Next Gen Stats tweeted out the, pro- the the play, but they they didn't do that for every play, so um, if they didn't do it, then there's just kind of arguing without any basis in a model. So <laughs> right. I, I started putting stuff together, and now there's a bot that tweets out every fourth down. So it, at least for one model, there there is the information out there for um, people to look at. What are the biggest factors? Like we see, you know, the the risk of of failure, the risk of you know the the percentage likelihood of success and if it, h- how do you take everything in like what data goes into the fourth down bot specifically 
yeah. So the big one is um, what would probably come to mind first, which is the uh, um, yards to go on fourth down. So um, the, the bot is much more likely to recommend going for it if it's fourth and one, fourth and two, than if, if you're backed up in your own territory on fourth and 14 or something like that. So uh, distance and field position are, are probably the two primary drivers. Um, there, there's a couple other things in there that um, move the needle a little bit. Like, for example, if um, if your team is favored and um, you're expected to score a lot of points based on um, what Vegas thinks about the game beforehand, then you're more likely to be um, seen as a team that's more likely to convert um, and um, a, a couple other things like that. But just as, as kind of a, a very short um, summary, yeah. like the, the vast majority of coaches are too conservative on fourth and one and, and fourth and two. That, that's kind of the, the main message from this model and every other model that has ever been created. On. So Ben, it's, it's so fascinating what you just said, because broadly, I, you know, without having nearly the amount of information that you do or being as smart as you are and all the data, I would, of course, agree with that. Right. But yet, circumstantially, I still find myself kind of questioning some decisions that are made. And, and interestingly, I've been kind of all on board with the Ravens' aggressive style of late, but the Bills one was the one that was so fascinating to me, and, and for two reasons. Because the first being, I, I look at the data, and I say, if I'm presented data that says there's a 65% likelihood of something and a 63% likelihood of you know success in, in another situation, I, I don't think those two numbers are different. Like, I don't find myself saying, well, if it's 2%, obviously that's what I have to do. At, at what point, like, how different do the numbers need to be in order for it to really be like, hey, man, don't overthink this. The data says this is obviously what you should do in a certain situation. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question to ask, and there's not really a great answer for it. I fully agree with you on that Bills case where it's pretty close. It's a very high leverage situation at the end of the game. So in, in that case, I would say the model didn't have a strong recommendation, and this is where we turn to the expert who is the head coach and right. say, based on everything, you know, you make the best decision. You think, um, given that the model is not really giving you a, a strong, a strong recommendation. And I think that's what, uh, coach Harbaugh did. And unfortunately it just didn't work out for them. Um, that time. I, I, you know, what's interesting to me in that moment, uh, Ben, Ben Baldwin is with us here in GCR. What's interesting to me in that moment is I, I have, you know, if, if it's your decision, it's your decision. I just didn't really like John saying, well, it's analytics, right? Like, well, but yeah, is it yep. like, is it analytics? Like, I don't, I don't think that it is. <laughs> I, I think that there's any number of reasons why you might choose to do what you did, but it just doesn't come off to me like analytics uniquely is the reason to do it. And then you follow it up by, you know, this week you have a situation where, you know, the bot says slightly about by 1% it's the right decision to go for it in a 13-10 game, and then they decided not to do that. And so I, it just kind of leaves me in this interesting place, like where what is the Ravens' decision-making? Like wh where is it coming from in these circumstances? Yeah, I, I agree that since, um, since 2019, they, they basically always went for it when they should, and they always converted, so it was very easy for them <laughs> to keep doing it. And in the couple of years since then, we've seen um, they, they haven't converted as much and they haven't, there's been a few of these of no-brainer going for it situations right. where they haven't gone for it. So it's a lot easier to go for it when you're winning almost every game and you're converting almost every time you do for it. It's sure. when um, it's not working out so well that um, it, it becomes a, a little harder to do it because you see what, what the actual cost of not getting it um, 
is in front of you. But but yeah, I, I think there has been some inconsistencies in their decision making, um, which, which is true. But at the same time, it's also true that they're relative to the rest of the league. They're still much more likely to make a, a decision that is consistent with what a fourth down model would spit up. And, and I, by the way, still agree that like I like the idea of being aggressive and, and maybe even that sometimes if you decide that's who you're going to be, you kind of almost have to be that team. Like that's just who you are. It's in yeah. your DNA. That's how way that you've coached during the week. Hey, if we're in this spot, that's what we're going to do. Um, and you go from there. I, I, the other part that's interesting to me, Ben, and it's something that came up this week. Obviously we saw what happened on Monday night with the Raiders and we saw the Chargers thing from Sunday. It, if we see more aggressive decisions that fail, does that impact the data that we have and does that change the percentages? Like, if we keep seeing teams go for it in these circumstances, the two-point conversion thing is really interesting to me because, like, I, I'm struggling with it still being a 50-50 thing at all times, just because it's it's one play and nobody can run the ball any longer, right? Like, I'm I'm struggling there. Does do decisions and the results of those in the course of a season impact the data that we have for building the success rate on fourth down? So. I, there's a couple answers to this. First would be if, if it were a team and they were making decisions about what they do themselves, then yes, they're, what they see during the season, season should absolutely influence um, their expected likelihood of converting and things like that. If you're asking about my model in particular, it, my model is just sitting there on a server somewhere and right. it's up the number that it's up. But right. if, if you were following a team and they, uh, kind of like the Browns last year, where they, they kept going for fourth downs, kept going for fourth downs, and just didn't convert any of them, then, yeah, you, you might want to stop and, and think, like, are, are the numbers overestimating our chances of converting our first down, fourth downs, given like that we can't run the ball or our quarterback is not who we thought he was or, or something like that? Um, turning to the, the two-point conversation, I think the um, the, the math-based case, case for going for two-pointers is much 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 weaker than for fourth downs yeah. and the a, a given two point decision is not very impactful unless it's like at the very very end of the game so i i think a lot of the focus paid to two point conversions is just like they're not going to move the needle in a in a win probability sense as much as um, 10 fourth down decisions that we see every Sunday. Uh, that's a very, it's, it's so, uh, Ben, it, all I could think to myself in watching the Raiders thing the other night is like, if they had scored with 12 seconds left, and I know the irony is, of course, we remember what the Chiefs did in the playoffs last year when they only had 13 yeah. seconds, but if they had scored with 12 seconds left, I'm on board, you know? Like, what? why would you want to go to overtime against Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, absolutely, go for two. But with five minutes left, really like is that what you're doing now it worked out for him and they got the chance back that the two-point thing is so fascinating to me i know it's different than the bot that you put together um we we could talk about this for an eternity but i also know you happen to have a lot of data about you know who's good and that you build tiers based on that and i have been trying for the last two weeks to answer the question of are the ravens good because it seems so simplistic to say a team that blows two separate three possession leads at home can't really be a good team there's just no way you can be but it seems like all of the data i was talking to aaron Schatz about it recently like all of the data still suggests the ravens are a pretty good team what do you make of the totality of everything that we've seen to this point from them yeah the ravens are kind of a hard team to get uh, to get a finger on like you said like because of these blown leads and 
um, just how differently some of the games have gone. So like, how much can we really learn about that Dolphins game where they were not playing with their secondary? Um, so, so you could point to that game and, and have questions, but then at the same time, yes, they lost to the Bills, but they also, the Bills are by far the best team in the league, and they've, right. they've just been killing a lot of teams that they've played. And it didn't look like the Ravens couldn't play with them or didn't belong on the same field as them. So if, if the Bills are head and shoulders above the rest of the league, and the Ravens were right there and can play with them, then then I think that that's a um, a good point in favor of, of Baltimore. And um, like going forward, they, they still have Lamar Jackson and some pieces. And yeah, I, I think they're like not at the same level as, as the Bills and probably Chiefs, but probably in that next group of uh, teams in the AFC. That that sounds about fair to me, and 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 of course, obviously, it doesn't really matter where you are in Week Five. What matters is where you are at the end of the season, but. You know, I I think it would be wrong for us to dismiss all of the good that we've seen from the Baltimore Ravens just because there have been moments of bad. Um, ben, what what's your next project? Like now that you've solved fourth down, like what's next for for a man that's already uh, tackled? Uh, like do do you have can 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 you solve, for example, why it is that we can't watch all of the games every Sunday and that the NFL still chooses to like play kick off a hundred games at one o'clock when if they would stagger them we'd watch all of them. Yeah, I, I wish I could solve that. That one's uh, a bit beyond my pay grade, but uh. um, for now, it's it's trying my best to explain to people why why uh, certain models say certain things on on fourth downs, and some people are very open minded, and and other people are not. And I guess that's just kind of where we are right now. <laughs> I, hey, man, look, I am I am absolutely I know that I'm a dumb guy, so I am more than willing to listen to the data, and I appreciate the fact that. We can agree that two percent is not just an immediate justification of you have to do something. And again, whatever you do, you do, but it's not that simple. Uh, ben, what all can we plug for you, man? Obviously, the bot, I know, but what else can we get plugs in for? Yeah, so the the bot is Ben Bot Baldwin on Twitter, and then my actual Twitter account is um, Ben B Baldwin. And uh, nice to talk to you for the first time, and thanks for having me. On. And you do, and uh, should we plug the athletic as well? Yeah. Make sure you uh, yeah, check out Ben. Sign, ben sign up for the athletic too. No doubt, man. <laughs> hey, uh, Ben, seriously, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Would love to do it again down the road. Thank. I, look, I, I'm going to guess there's going to be a controversial fourth down decision that the Ravens are going to make again in the coming weeks. So when they do, oh, I'm, I'm we, sure they will. We, we'd love to catch up again. Thank you for doing this, man. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, Ben Baldwin, uh, checking in with us, the man behind the uh, the fourth down bot again. Ben underscore bot underscore Baldwin. Um, Look, that's that's about, you know, it always feels good when you think you know something to have somebody who's much smarter than you say, yeah, you're you're right. That if you're trying to, I had a problem. There was a piece in the five thirty eight last week, I think, that the author of that story said, no, the Ravens made the right decision, and and use this, and I'm like, what am I missing here? How is a two percent swing justification that you had to do something that it was the right decision and you know when he brings up the leverage situation that speaks to what I spoke to about the clock that okay so the data doesn't tell us one way or the other what we should do here we can't just make this decision based on data so does the clock factor in does a scenario where if you make a certain decision, you might never see the ball again. That seems pretty significant to me. 
I'm not going to waver on the Bills thing. I think the Ravens got it wrong. Flatly got it wrong. And the uniqueness of that situation, to me, is that it was essentially a two-point conversion, which I'm also acknowledging is very... It's one thing when you have to defend the entirety of the field. When the Raiders went for it on fourth down on Monday night, they had the entirety of the field to work with. Now, the Ravens tried to do the same thing in the third quarter against the Bengals when they went for it on fourth down and they missed, but the play worked out perfectly because a team is so focused on short yardage that it opens up the entirety of the field for you in order to convert. But fourth down from your two, there's not much of the field that they have to defend in that situation. I'll never waver from it. I like the Ravens being aggressive. Everything about that to me was the wrong kind of aggressive, and the data did not suggest it was the right thing to do. And it's not just dumb guy Glenn Clark saying that. It's literally the guy that built the data that's saying that. Which does, again, make me feel better. Like, I know I'm a dumb guy. So when a smart guy tells me that I'm on to something, it makes me feel better about myself. Because I'm like, hey, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not the dumbest of the dumb guys. That does not mean that I think the Ravens should suddenly stop being aggressive. I didn't have a problem with them going it from in the third quarter on fourth and inches from their own 34. And interestingly enough, I didn't know what the right decision was on fourth down this past week. It was only fascinating to me that after the previous decisions they had made, that was the one where they decided not to, where I actually think there was greater argument for the value of it because you could have made it a two-possession game in that moment. So, you know, all of these things are compelling to me. None of them are necessarily correct answers. Believing the data, I'm on board with. And... You know, there are times where it's obvious what a team should do. There are times. I think a lot of people pointed out the uh, the Chiefs punt on Monday night when they gave the ball back to the Raiders with a chance to win the game instead of just saying, hey, we've got Patrick Mahomes and the ability to win the game right now. It ultimately worked out for them. They got lucky that Devontae Adams couldn't get a second foot down. But how about the butterfly effect of that, right? Like, Devontae Adams can't make a clean catch, and now he ends up, you know he's getting sued and he's going to like maybe face criminal charges, right? Like, or if he had just got made a clean catch, had the both feet down, he going to guess probably doesn't barrel over a photographer afterwards. But I think that's the, those are the questions that are far more fascinating to me. Like that decision there on fourth down, what I, I, I can't help but wonder about is that might be even more compelling than some of the other ones that we've debated with the Ravens. Great stuff from Ben Baldwin. Really appreciate him taking the time for us. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. Today's show also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Stan the Fan, earlier this week, he and Ross Grimsley caught up with the great Kenny Singleton. You can find that right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Coming up a little bit later on today around 3 o'clock, Stan's going to do a final show previewing the Maryland Five Star. Um, You can check that out. He's going to have another uh, significant rider that is participating in the Maryland Five Star. He's got uh, Lillian Hurd coming on with him today at 3 o'clock. So one more chance for you to learn about this incredible event that is going on this week out in Cecil County today at 3 on Facebook Live with Stan the Fan. 
Uh, we are going to get into Would You Rather Wednesday, presented by Glory Days Grill. We are going to talk some Orioles here in hour number two as well. Nathan Ruiz coming up. lot to do. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Or is it Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Ties Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports glory days grills oktoberfest menu is now running it's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year it features the chicken schnitzel the oktoberfest brewer's platter the brewer sausage sandwich the bavarian burger with a pretzel bun the cheddar ale soup the slam dunk pretzels and the apple cobbler all of these meals pair well with oktoberfest beers and angry orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at pressboxonline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest and I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. These are the final days for you to pick up this print issue of PressBox. It is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. Mark Andrews is on the cover. He's larger than life. Great story from Bo Smolka about his unlikely path to NFL stardom. Um, encourage you to go pick it up because within a couple days, it's going to be gone, daddy, gone. The love is gone. 
Um, I understand it might already be gone in a lot of locations, so you can always read it at PressBoxOnline.com if you can't find it at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Should the Royal Farms run 140 towards Westminster? Should still be available there. Still there? Okay. At least over the weekend when I was on that one. That's good news if you want to head out that way. Um, did you get hit by the earthquake last night, by the not, way? You didn't not feel that it? I know of. Yeah, I didn't feel, feel it. it. I, okay. I might have been asleep because it was around midnight, I guess. Was it? So I, I think I, I, I might have a 2.0 earthquake. I don't even know what that feels like. Yeah. I don't even know if you really feel a 2.0. I, I just don't know. I don't know enough about earthquakes. What was the one that we all felt back in, what was it, 2011? Um, yeah, 2011. Was that when it was? 10 or 11? I think like, it was 11. How, what, what kind of earthquake was that? Because we did all feel that. I mean, it didn't really impact anything, but we did at least feel it. I don't know, like what number that was. Know if a 2.0 earthquake is something that would register with that us. That was 5.8. Yeah, apparently. so it was. But a that fi- was like, was that wasn't that in like North Carolina, or was that actually like centered in Maryland? I thought it was centered fairly close to here. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, maybe it wasn't Baltimore, but I don't, I don't think it was North Carolina. I, maybe that was a different one. I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The yeah. m- moral of the story being, if like that was a 5.8, and like you know, we barely right. like we felt it, but we just barely felt it right like it didn't act, there was no damage no, there was centered, no, centered in virginia centered in virginia yeah. okay like we just barely felt that right like i don't know even if a 2.0 is centered in in carroll county i just don't know how much you're going to even notice a, a 2.0 mm-hmm. earthquake this i am not i'm not an expert on fourth down that's why he brought on ben baldwin i'm not an expert on earthquakes i don't know who do we bring on the former professional wrestler earthquake is is he available or is that a comedian <laughs> it was comedian that was named earthquake right there was somebody whose name was Earthquake. Damn it. I would, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. Or was that? Now I'm starting to think, you know what? I might really be going down uh, a rabbit hole here. Hang on a second. Is it possible? Yeah. Earthquake was a comedian. Yes. Is a comedian. Still, Nathaniel Martin Stroman is an uh, uh, American stand-up comedian, actor, voice artist, and radio personality. If I remember correctly, he might have been on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I might be right about Yeah, that's my guy. I love that. Okay, so we just did the... He's from D.C. How about that? We just did the uh, earthquake portion of the program, (laughs) which is, I'm sure, what you tuned in for. It is Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. The scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Everyone who responds is registered to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill, which is wonderful because there's never been a better time for you to get to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, try the delicious Oktoberfest menu, the Bavarian burger with the pretzel bun, the chicken schnitzel, the brewer sausage platter, the brewer sausage sandwich, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, all outstanding. We know we have tried them all. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. And again, all you got to do is respond. That's it. Respond. Even dumb responses. Even those of you who cheat. You still get registered to win. It's not hard. Even those of you whose answers I hate and infuriate me and make me want to bang my head in the wall repeatedly could still win. It's the worst contest in the history of humanity because I should be able to say, no, that answer sucks, get him out. But Griffin is now the governor of the contest, and he is a giving person and says, no, even the rubes and the boobs deserve to experience the wonder of Glory Day's Grill. And I'm like, you have a response in mind that it seems that no, I don't know about today. I haven't. The, oh, okay. I I got these up late, so it's been a, a you know a slow a sluggish start to responses for Would You Rather Wednesday. Also, I've noticed that like 
I for whatever reason people don't tend to get around to it until later in the day. It's it drives me nuts. Like last week, it really picked up after the show was over. Anyway, we'll go through them right now. Here are your three scenarios for Would You Rather Wednesday. Number one, Would You Rather the Baltimore Ravens? Perhaps you've heard of them. They decide suddenly to become the L.A. Rams, and they trade away multiple future first-rounders and the rest of their early-round picks this year in order to go all-in at the deadline and find help both offensively and defensively. So maybe it's D.J. Moore and Brian Burns, or maybe it's D.J. Moore and Roquan Smith. I get it. There's you know cap ramifications that I'm not doing the math on for all of this, but just play along. It's would-you-rather Wednesday, you jerks. Or no... As fun as that sounds, they're going to need to hit on those draft picks after they pay Lamar. That wouldn't work. You can't do it. Um, I think it depends what, like, Mm-mm. are we no, going to no, no, be able no, to no, sign no, Lamar? No, no, you're not doing depends. I would the say two scenarios are I would rather pick one or the other. Because of the uncertainty around Lamar and if he'll be a Baltimore Raven, you know, for the considerable future, I would rather just go all in this year and, okay. and try to win a Super Bowl so in trade 2022. F them picks, like Les Need might say. F them sure. kids, yeah. right? I'd right. rather see if, if they can, if they, if they, you know, Make go all in this year, and maybe they tag Lamar next year, and then uh, win the, and then they got to try and win one of these two years. I'd rather that if if they think they can, uh, if they think they can lock down Lamar and they'll get a deal done, then I would rather hold on to it. In, but in, interesting, but, you're, but going you're, into you're, it right you're, now, you're, you're yeah, trying, right now, you're trying to cow your my way. answer. So Griffin is not aware, but once upon a time, like our friend Kyle Ottenheimer, uh, tragic as it is that he passed away, our friend Kyle thought the purpose of Would You Rather Wednesday was to be like the guy that could decipher a way out. Oh, here's how I can give both answers. No, Would You Rather is a parlor game that has been passed down through the history of time. You have to pick one scenario or the other, not always the most desirable of scenarios. So you can't try to say, well, if this, then that. No, you have to pick one and marry yourself to it. You are now entering into a lifelong commitment and will be tied eternally to the scenario that you pick. Much like when somebody says, hey, would you rather lose you know, three toes or one finger? We're actually going to take the toes or the finger. That's the way that it works. That's how would you rather is played. We just happen to play a sports variation of the game. So all of your cockamamie nonsense that you're trying to do here, say, well, if it's a, if it's a Tuesday at 4 o'clock, then I'm going to do this. But if it's an odd-numbered day I'm in, just trying in to the explain. month of June, like, no, you have to pick a scenario. And I it's picked one. Scenario. I'm just trying to explain why I think both you know, make, can make sense. I'm trying to explain my decision-making. But, I, I'd, yeah, I want to see us go all in this Interestingly year. enough. I want to go all in. The early action on this one is the exact opposite of that. The early action on this scenario is, no, you can't get rid of those picks. You're paying Lamar Jackson, and you got to – it's a fascinating thing. It's I, br- I bring it up. I was talking about it with uh, Matt Trigger on his podcast last night. Um, I'm, I wanted to write about it this week for Pressbox. I don't know if I'm going to have the opportunity to because your boy's got a very busy week ahead of him. Uh, calling this event out at the USA Lacrosse that involves the national team in Maryland. There's a lot going on. Um, I hope that maybe I'll have a minute to write, but I cannot promise that. Moral of the story being, I, I want to write about the DJ Moore thing, and I, I am... Like, I am the guy that always says, go get special. You have the opportunity to get special, go get special. But I am flummoxed. I am, I'm struggling with the opposite side of it, which is the importance of the picks after you sign Lamar. I understand what you're doing, which is, well, I don't know that the Ravens are signing Lamar, so 
the hell with it. Just go try to win the Super Bowl right now. And, and, we, I, and we still want people to reach on the more. And, and, case, and I right, I, I get I get the thought process that you are. It, it's almost like you're, you know, the way I say, hey, when I, when I think two teams are pretty close and one of them is getting points, I'm going to take the team that's getting points. It's how I approach betting. Even if I think one team is better, if I think they're pretty close and one of them is getting points, I'm going to bet. I'm going to play the numbers in those situations. And I went two and six last week, so obviously I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, I get the math that you're doing in your head when it comes to this. I still probably line up with everybody else that, like, if I'm talking about DJ Moore and it's one pick, okay, one pick's not going to make or break this. But you're giving up a lot of picks. Ugh. This is the nature. This is when we go back and complain about Joe Flacco's contract ruined the Ravens. Did it? Did it? You think that? Or did the list of the following guys, Matt Elam, Terrence Brooks, Arthur Brown, Bronson Kafusi, Kamalai Correa, Brashad Perryman, did that ruin the Ravens? Did it ruin the Ravens? that after they decided to invest in their quarterback, they were unable to hit in the draft. They had their worst stretch of drafting in the history of their franchise. Because to me, that's what ruined the Ravens post-Joe Flacco's contract. But yes, interesting enough, the early action all coming in. Uh, Shanna, you got to sign Lamar and pay him, so you got to make your priority around that. John Proctor, definitely need to pay Lamar and act accordingly elsewhere, so no trading top picks. Do it the smart way to keep a competitive team on the field. From from ZZ. I like ZZ. Is it ZZ Top? That would be amazing. Uh, I like the current plan on action. I think the plan began two years ago. EDC has purposely stockpiled picks for the Lamar deal. I don't see the front office deviating from that. Uh, number dose. There was a kind of a somewhat uh, reliable report because you were asking for somebody credible to say DJ Moore. Who? From who? So it was NFL rumors on Twitter. It's not a, that's not a. Credible, They've been kind of like right about not, stuff, they, and they just, said they said per NBC Sports. But from who? Okay. Yeah, they don't have that. There's yeah, there's not an attached so, name to so it. So said what? They said they said DJ Moore. If DJ Moore is moved, three teams to watch are the Ravens, Packers, that's and not, Giants. That's not a credible report. That's just somebody I'm spitballing. Just saying, it's, it's, that, it's, it's like when there. somebody says, "Hey, it would make sense for the Ravens to be interested in Odell Beckham." I'm looking for credible. I, I have heard I the Ravens are poking around on DJ Moore. And trust me, Griffin, when we find that, I'm going streaking. It's the only content I'm doing. Cancel all of our plans. You know, go fire, no offense, fire all of the scheduled guests into the sun because all we're going to do is talk about DJ Moore for a few days. That's the way that it's going to go. Would you rather number two? Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Darnay Holmes situation from the weekend over very in London. Very fun, very fun. <laughs> uh, Darnay Holmes, uh, who um, I'm going to guess his favorite dessert is cake. I'm just going to guess that. That man has a lot going on. Good for him. He turned it into an NFT. I heard. Yeah. Darnay Holmes plays for the Giants. Uh, I, I, receiver? I, I mean, he wears – I don't know what he does. I have no idea what Darnay Holmes does for the Giants, but he's a New York uh, – a professional Giants football player. We'll get to see him this week. Darnay Holmes on Sunday in London needed, uh, I guess he got his, his thigh tightened up a little bit. And uh, he went to the sideline needing to have that stretched out. For some reason, you know, you got to, I don't know why they didn't go into the blue tent. He says the blue tent was unavailable. <laughs> because maybe we need more blue tents. Like maybe maybe the NFL needs to look into this. He's a defensive back, by the way. He's a defensive back. I, I, I think he's like, I guess he's thirty, is what he's. Oh, I thought it looked yeah. like eighty to me. That's why I said that. All right, 
Uh, so Darnay Holmes goes to the sideline. There's, I don't know, a trainer, a massage therapist. I don't know what this person's job is. He pulls his pants down slightly so that guy can get in there. And it looks like something else is occurring. <laughs> Which, hey, man, I ain't here to judge. I want to make that abundantly clear. You know, we do not kink shame on this program. So here's my question. You lose your fantasy league this year. The punishment is one of two things. Either for the next year, you have to give the other people in your league a Darnay Holmes-style massage whenever they request. So for a long time, the guy that lost our fantasy league was responsible for getting beers anytime we were together. In fact, we made our friend Tim get us all of our beers at his own wedding. That's a thing we did. We said, Tim... I know you're enjoying your wedding. We could use a beer. And he had to go get us beers at his own <laughs> wedding. So you, you lose your fantasy league. The punishment is you have to give that Darnay Holmes thigh massage to your friends anytime you see them for the next year. Or, or for the next year, you have to watch from start to finish every Washington Commanders football game. And by the way, because I already... People have already tried to griffin it up a little bit. You don't get to say, well, I can just have it on the other TV while I'm watching the Ravens game. No. You have to watch with your full attention every Washington Commanders game. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean yeah. you can't have the Ravens game in the distance or something like that. I'm not going to be – because then I, it, I'm not going to be cruel. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. So, like, I could have, like, red zone on and – But you're complete – you have to be able to – the next day – you have That's to be able to, to explain everything about the Washington Commanders football game. Um, yeah, I mean, because I enjoy football so much that I mean, yeah, that, that wouldn't be fun. But but yeah, the massage thing would uh, that be kind of that'd be very very annoying, and it would probably get a, get old very quick. At least for me, <laughs> as the one giving the massage. So right. I think I'll have to suck it up and I'll sit down and I'll watch uh, I'll watch an entire season of Commanders football. <sighs> In order to avoid handing out, dishing out a massage. I think I think you're hey. sick. I think that it's far grosser to sign up to watch Commanders football than it is to be giving your bros thigh massages. Like I think that's way more twisted. You are you got a twisted mind, bro. <laughs> you are you are effed up, man. I don't know what's going on in your universe, but it ain't. I don't think I want to live in that brain of yours. All right. That is a weird place. We need to be in the same fantasy league so people, I can start getting people, massages from yeah, you. People are struggling. <laughs> well, we're in the, the Picks League. You want to do a yeah. side bet on the Picks League? <laughs> on air, we get have to yeah, do a Darnell Holmes massage. Yeah, oh, my God. That might be our next side bet. Oh, God. I don't. Do we have an HR department here at PressBox? <laughs> I might have to run that by them before we make it our next side bet. I'm not really sure what we're allowed to do. You're a little bit younger than I am. It might look like a certain way if people <laughs> see me giving you a, a thigh. You know what, Griffin? I think we're going to have to pass on that one. I'm sorry. I like where your I'm head's at. It's a, it's a really good idea, <laughs> but I just think like if that ends up on the internet, I might not be able to fly on an airplane. <laughs> I might be banned from from being around schools. This in video the is so funny. It's I, hilarious. I agree. <laughs> All right, uh, quickly, we got to get to number three. I, I'll get to more of your responses. Uh, uh, that one, by the way, people are really struggling with that one. There, There is a real struggle. My buddy Joey, who is a Commanders fan, was like, I don't know the answer to this question because I, despite the fact that I root for the team, I don't watch the games. I can't do that to myself. So the idea of having to watch them from start to finish is really messing with me. 
Um, uh, number three, uh, would you rather the Orioles today announce a – what did I say? Did I say three or four years? Did I say – I said four years. Four-year extension for Brandon Hyde. Or they announce that as good as this year was, they're moving on, and they're going to make Joe Madden their next manager. Um, I'll go with oh, – man. I mean, I, 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 I know people in Baltimore hate Brandon Hyde for whatever reason. I'm not one of them, but – a four-year extension. I mean, I guess. I mean, you're right. Like extensions can be don't mean a whole lot. Like they, they, they can mean, be fired. Correct. I think, but, they're not, but the Orioles have not shown. They're not likely to fire him after one year. Right. 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 Like that's not. Um, right. I think I'll, I guess I'd say Joe Madden. Okay. Just because, I mean, he's one. I mean, outside of the Angels, he has done very, very well. I, by the way, this one was interesting because people are starting to like. I got a couple of responses that were like, "The bloom is off the rose now." with Joe Madden, that they're just not as mm. into the idea of Joe Madden as they would have been yeah. in the past. And maybe it's because Joe Madden doesn't know how to manage a team with, like, stars on it. Like, I maybe that's... I don't know. Thing. And so, like, maybe... So the Orioles would be, you know, similar right, to the, what the Rays on, look the, the like. The Cubs had... St- like, let's not yeah. pretend, like, Chris Bryant and... Right, and, right. And Anthony Rizzo and, you know... They, they had stars. I mean, he had Mike Trout, Otani... Bro, I am with ...and you. Anthony Rendon. I am and, with you. But they never had any help coming up through the system. They right, never had right, the right. system was a disaster. Orioles have that. They do. Cubs have, had that. They do. Have Rays. That. Yep. I think the yeah, Rays had that. The Rays constantly had yeah. it. They always had reinforcements coming. The Angels did not. All right. Continue. Get me your responses for Would You Rather Wednesday at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Glenn Clark Radio. Everyone who gets a response in, no matter how stupid. Griffin, because he's Mr. Nice Guy over here, Griffin is still going to consider you to win the $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Again, glorydaysgrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. Try everything on the delicious Oktoberfest menu. Still to come this morning, we are going to talk some Orioles next with Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun. What are the chances? Like The, the thing that I want to see them do more than anything, Jeremy and I just talked about this two days ago, I love the idea of going out and getting a middle-of-the-order bat. I love the idea of adding a, a pitcher to the top of the rotation. I'm even listening on being in on the shortstop market, paying big money to Carlos Correa. But more than anything, I want to see them spend money on their own dudes. Is that going to happen? We'll talk to Nathan Ruiz about that. We're also going to talk some lacrosse, uh, preview a big event coming up this weekend. That's all on the way as we continue on a Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days, earn per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today join glenn at halftime of every ravens game for the project game day halftime show at facebook.com slash sports we apologize in advance there's not much we can do about his face that is true it's uh, it's very sad hey today's program is also brought to you by our friends at guilford hall brewery such a cool place i mean literally a hidden gem in our city Guilford Hall Brewery is located at 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. They always have tremendous events during the course of the week, trivia, yappy hour, things like that. they got a huge Halloween party coming up on October 29th, free to get in, costume contest, live music. It is an amazing spot if you have not been to Guilford Hall Brewery. The beer selection is incredible. you got to try the Guilford Hall Lager. Um, and the uh, the Bavarian-style menu, wonderful as well. GuilfordHall.com in order for you to find out more. All right, joining us now here on GCR, he, of course, covers the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. And I am very interested in something that he wrote about because, as you guys know, as much as I'm intrigued by the idea of the Orioles going out and spending some money, I think the biggest thing they could do to make a statement to this fan base is to invest in their own and make a loud declaration about who the tent poles are for the future of this franchise. He is our friend Nathan Ruiz, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Nathan, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much, as always, for taking some time for us. Yeah, happy to do it. Um, Nathan, a couple of things. One, first of all, just this season in general, like, how do you describe what this, what this season was for the Orioles I think we all know it was special in some sort of way, but 
what kind of context can you offer to what 2022 was for the the history of the Baltimore Orioles? Yeah, I think it was significant. I think it showed that they were ahead of schedule, and we we saw that in many ways, both in terms of what was happening on the field and how they operated off of it. But I just think it speaks to a lot of what we're talking about now in this offseason of them planning to make significant additions, planning to increase payroll. That doesn't happen if this team, you know, is, is 60 and 102. That, or, yeah, I did the math right on that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but that, that, that doesn't happen if, if this team is, is, you know, slumping through another season. They showed that they're, you know, ready to compete, that they've taken a step forward. Obviously, they're, you know, they had a lot of prospects arrive. They have more coming. Um, they have a lot of players who at the major league level got either their first opportunity or took a big step forward from previous opportunities. The, the team just positioned itself to make the front office make a move. And obviously they would have liked maybe have done that a little sooner. Maybe we see the trade deadline go different, a little differently if that's the case. But they, they have now said, like, hey, we're ready to go. Please back us up. And now the front office has the opportunity to do that this offseason. So the interesting part for me is, admittedly, I, I look at this roster and there are two guys that I feel, as far as you know, position players are concerned, hitters, bats are concerned, there's two guys I feel really good about. And then everybody else, I feel somewhere between, you know, pretty good about, fairly strong about, but at least some amount of question about whether or not that player is part of a future championship contending roster. So this is a really fascinating offseason to me before we get into the idea of extending um, their own. But this is a fascinating offseason for me because I don't know how they go about making decisions about who is definitely part of this thing long term outside of Rutschman and Henderson? Like, how do they judge the Mullinses, the Santanders, the Mountcastles, the Hayes, the, the Mateos of the world? It's a group of players that, you know, any one of them individually, I think you could say, hey, that guy could be part of this thing. But it still seems like they need to upgrade maybe even at multiple spots. So who do you choose to say is definitely a part of this thing? And who do you say, hey, you know, if if we can make a trade in order to find a really special player we would be willing to part ways with this guy in the process. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, to your point, like a, a pros and cons type of situation. You're happy to kind of almost, you obviously would have likely, you look at a guy like Anthony Santander, who took a huge step forward, both in terms of power production, walk rate, plate discipline. You would have loved to see that across the board from everyone. Obviously, you didn't get that. You look at Austin Hayes' first half was really right. strong, and then he really struggled in the second half. Cedric Mullins, I think if you switch his 21 and 22 seasons, you're talking about a much different player. He still had a really, really strong year. It's just hard to compare when you're coming off a 30-30 season. Jorge Mateo obviously had some good stretches. Ryan Mountcastle had some bad luck, but also was hitting the ball pretty hard. Still had a lot of swing and miss in his game. So there's a lot of, you know, there, there's nits to pick with all these guys. But I think, you know, to the point that Michael Elias made at the end of the season is it, they have the flexibility really where there isn't an obvious spot. They can't just look at their roster and say, dang, we really need a shortstop or we really need a right fielder. Like sure. they, they have a lot of opportunities to be able to say like, okay, we maybe just go get the type of player we want. Like maybe, you know, if we want this player who does this offensively and he's the second baseman, then great. Then we don't need a second baseman. We'll get this guy. Like they, they can kind of have the flexibility to figure it out. Obviously, Jorge Mateo is kind of locked in at shortstop for most of the year, but you know, he, he's played other positions in the past, played some outfield. I think, you know, maybe in the long term, he obviously played great defensively. He's a gold glove candidate shortstop, but maybe long term he does have a utility profile. Ramon Arias was great defensively at third base, but also dealt with some injuries when he was on the field. He was pretty solid for them. But again, did he do enough to lock down a position long term? Obviously, to your point, you know, Adley Rutschman's a catcher of the future. Gunnar Henderson's going to have a home somewhere, likely on the left side of the infield. Um, But but there are questions elsewhere. And so I I think it gives them the opportunity in this offseason to go get 
um, in terms of position players, maybe the bat they want and figure out the position side of it at, on the other end. I, I tend to agree with that. Is there any anyone from the, that group of guys that we're talking about? Because, again, I'm separating Rutschman and Henderson. Is there anyone from that group that you think that they would say right now, hey, we are, we're, we, we want to invest in that guy, and if that guy wants to talk about sticking around, we do a deal with that person. Do you think there's anyone that they would feel particularly strongly about definitely being a part of this thing long-term and it's worth maybe trying to approach them and, and do something long-term with them. I and in terms of what's actually been publicly said, uh, you know, Michael Elias has referred to Cedric Mullins as a guy they want to build around seeing a guy they see is, you know, being a part of this in the long run. And, and obviously, you know, his name has come up in trade talks, you know, yeah. in the middle of last season, this past off season, but he's a guy who I think they would still have to be blown away with. He, Obviously, wasn't the player this year that he was the year before, but I think you still take what you got out of him. Obviously, um, you know, among the league leaders in steals, trading, trailing only Jorge Mateo, still put up, you know, double-digit power. Obviously, had struggles left on left that we didn't really see out of him in his first year exclusively as a left-hand hitter, but I think he's a guy who they still really like. Obviously, a really talented defender out in center field, prototypical leadoff guy. I think there's a lot to like in that package, even if he is just what he was in 2022. And then I think you look at Anthony Santander and just the step forward he, he's taken. Really, something that Brandon Hyde has talked about throughout his tenure is they don't have enough guys who know the strike zone, have good plate discipline, and that's really hard to teach, to grow in at the major league level. And really, Santander is the only guy we've seen do that. Just really increased his walk rate this year, had the increase in power, stayed on the field, stayed healthy. Just a really, really good year for him. And obviously, he's going to be uh, one of the more expensive guys on this team. But if they're going to talk about raising payroll, and, you know, one of the easiest ways to do that is just to, as we're going to discuss as yep. we go through this, is, yep. you know, paying your own guys. And he, he's due to get, you know, based off MLB Trade Rumors projection, his salary is expected to double going into next season um, through arbitration. And, and I think, you know, that's an easy decision to make when you look at the year he had. All right. Nathan Ruiz with us from the Baltimore Sun. So you wrote about it today. And I look, I don't think there's anything that the Orioles can do that would be more impactful for this fan base than and I've said it for months now than than if they were to walk in and announce an extension and buying out the arbitration years and keeping Adley Rutschman around. Um, and, and you wrote about the uniqueness of the situation. I, what I really do struggle with and, and what I don't know is given the uniqueness of the position that Adley Rutschman plays, is there a world in which he'd be willing to do something like that? Or would it really have to be a, you're going to have to give me that Julio Rodriguez type of deal. We're not doing an Atlanta Braves situation here because I only, as a catcher, I'm going to be limited in the length that teams are going to be willing to go. Once I get to a certain age, I might only have one opportunity to make Boku money. You're not going to get a discount. You want to do this. You're going to be having to pay me at least like what the Mariners paid to Julio Rodriguez. And I think on the flip side of that same argument is I'm a catcher. Anything can happen at any time, and I should get my bag while I can. And I'm not saying that's, that that's how Adley's yeah. thinking or his, his camp's fair. thinking, but I think, I think both sides of the argument are there where, you know, if they sign him for one year beyond, and obviously it depends – and it's possibility that the rookie of the year situation is kind of leading this up in the air because they do not know exact. I mean, you can make an assumption he'll be top two right. and he'll become a free agent after 2027, but still waiting to finalize that, that becomes a factor. Do you sign him through 2028 and buy out a year or do you sign him through 2029 and buy out a year of, of post team control? So I, I think there maybe are some questions there where they're trying to get that maybe finalized where that is a possibility of that is an uncertainty that a Julio Rodriguez as someone who's up all season um, didn't have to deal with, uh, you know, my, uh, Spencer Strider didn't have to deal with in, in discussing these things. Um, so that is obviously pr maybe a factor in this. Um, I do think that, you know, you have the question of, like you mentioned, he will be 30 or 31, presumably, 
um, you know, I guess 29 or 30 at this point when he becomes a free agent. Um, and, and so you want to be able to get him a deal to where he's happy if he reaches, you know, free agency as a 30 year old. And as we've seen the game go, that is not, you know, something that teams are willing to generally invest in anymore. A 30 year old who's reaching free agency, even if, you know, at that time you figure he will be one of the top catchers in baseball and, a, you know, producing offensive player from both sides of the, of the batter's box and, and, He's just, you know, the full package. And I think to your point, like it would say a lot to this fan base. It would say a lot to the industry at large for the Orioles to be able to say like, hey, here's a big investment in one of our own players. Here's a financial investment we haven't made. Here's a length investment we haven't made. I mentioned it in the piece you're referring to, but the only guaranteed multi-year deal they've given out was the one to avoid arbitration with John Means um, after he had Tommy John surgery. And so that was basically just a byproduct of Means having Tommy John and trying to secure his salary for 2023. So it's, it's a... You know, a circumstance that Michael Elias hasn't been put in yet at the Orioles, as the Orioles GM, and part of the reason they haven't made long-term deals, they haven't made pricey deals, is because they haven't been in a position to be increasing the payroll, investing in the roster, and we're going to see that now. And I think there is obviously part of this of increasing the payroll is going to be external additions through trades and free agency, but, you know, arbitration is going to raise players' salaries, and I think you also have the opportunity to make a statement by, by signing Adley. And as Michael Elias said it takes two to tango it's up to adley yep. and his camp as much as it is to michael Elias and the orioles they have to come to terms and, and the thing is here is there's no rush there's not like we can talk about it because it's happened with you know michael harris and whoever he is and spencer strider and obviously other guys over the years but at least still two years presumably assuming he comes in top two in rookie of the year and depending on super two and whatnot works out he, he's still two years away from arbitration like there there's not a hurry here for these guys and from adley's perspective like he had a really good season. Obviously, he was the MVO and made a huge impact and was really up there in war rankings. But I, there's more in there. You know, he sent an Orioles rookie and catcher record for doubles, but those are going to become homers at some point. And so I think he knows, like, I, I'm a better player than what I even showed this year. Sure. And so there's a possibility that he wants to wait and say, like, hey, let me let me really show you what I can do and then, then up, that, up that number a little bit. And I think, you know, you see that on the, on the flip side with, like, a Lamar, you know. And so – these guys know what they're capable of or believe, they have a belief in what they're capable of and they want to show that they can do that and be compensated appropriately. And as much as the Orioles maybe want to throw a dollar at Adley, it's possible that dollar amount isn't high enough for what he and his camp believe he's worth. And so, uh, it, as Michael, I said, it takes two to tango and they're going to, you know, make the effort and have the conversations I'm sure over time. Um, they might not necessarily happen this off season. They've got other things they need to take care of, but, um, I do think it would be a big signal to both the industry and the fan base for them to sign him long term. I, I asked this, you know, falling back on the fact that look, the, you know, they traded away Trey Mancini. The the part that we talk about it, what it would mean to the fan base and how significant it would be. I, t- do we know if that's something that Mike Elias is worried about, or if he really does just say, "Hey, look, I need to maximize every dollar that I possibly can." And if I'm spending a dollar to try to make the fan base like me, that's a dollar I could be spending purely on winning. Like, does does any do we know enough to know if that side of it is something that matters to Mike Elias? I think the thing, like, I think that there's a dual point to that where Mike Elias understands the thing that will make the, this fan base the happiest is winning a World Series. Yeah. And so I, I think if every dollar is optimized in a way that allows for that goal, then he'll feel that way. I think you know, they have their information where they felt that, you know, Trey Mancini as a first baseman, DH, you know, right-handed hitter in a ballpark that now is a, a death to right-handed hitters right. was not going to be super valuable to them long-term. And obviously they made a move that the fan base was, you know, understandably upset about. He's a guy who meant a lot to the team, meant a lot to the city, obviously went through a lot, great personality, great guy, 
Um, but they made a move in the middle of a wild card chase that they felt gave them the best opportunity to benefit their future long term. And on the flip side of it, in terms of an Adley Rutschman extension, what what gives you better long term hope than ensuring that he's part of your team for years to come? And that's not not to dig that, you know, Trey Mancini wouldn't have had the same impact. But when you talk about what Adley does on both sides of the ball, the impact he has, the the influence he has, obviously, you know, he hasn't really stepped up in terms of a, a in clubhouse leader because that's not the role he wants to take yet. He's a rookie. He was respecting, you know, obviously guys talked up Ruben you know, Dor and Jordan Lyles and Robinson Trinos in those roles. But you talk about what he brings on the field. You know, if you go around the clubhouse and ask guys like, hey, what, what impresses you most about Adley? I, I did that near the end of the season and a bunch of guys were just saying leadership. Just what he brings just in terms of that intangible, that's, that's something you maybe can't put a price on. And so I just think as you go through this, if you're talking about, you know, optimizing dollars, and giving your team the best long-term chance to win, making sure Adley Rutschman is here through 2029, 2030. No doubt. And, and giving your team a long-term chance to win a World Series, that, that's as valuable as anything. I, I strong agree. All right, let me, let me run through a couple more really quickly with you while I can. Nathan Ruiz with us here on GCR. Do you think there's any world in which they consider this with Gunnar Henderson at this point, or is it just too early? Yeah, it's hard to say. Not a lot of you know, players who are this early in their careers have necessarily gotten this deal. Um, that type of deal, I should say. And, and honestly, I think, again, it gets back to this isn't, this isn't a simple offseason for them where, you know, I think the Braves, you look at them, they've locked up a lot of these guys. It becomes easy to say they're going to have moves to make. They're going to have things to do. They're also contending to win what could possibly be it come, you know, November, a third straight World Series. But that, that's to say that they've, they've already done a lot of the groundwork on this. The Orioles have a lot of, you know, so to speak, catching up to do. They have a rotation to build. They have a bullpen to add to. They have, you know, pieces to add to their lineup. I, th- I just think there's a lot of boxes to check for this team right now. And, and so it becomes a question of, like, how much of, of that aspect of it are you able to do? Um, I think that all those things are on the list. You know, they're going to look at it. They're going to talk about it. They're going to consider it. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, you look at Gunner. He's 21 years old. You sign him for 10 years, he still reaches free agency at 31. And so I, I think that there is still a possibility of that for sure. You know, I don't think that it's going to be a conversation they shy away from, but I just don't know how high that is on the priority list when there's so much else for them to accomplish this offseason. A lot of talk about you know the Orioles being involved, and Mike Elias has said that they've got the money to spend. What do you think that really looks like at this point, Nathan? Like I, I Trust me, I, I love the idea of Carlos Rodon being an Oriole, but it just doesn't – I don't think that's practically the money that we're talking about. Am I off base? Like, Is there maybe the, the money to really spend and to be dipping your toes in the top of the water, or is it more like – they're going to spend some money. They're going to do more because they, you know, they're like we're talking about what a fifty million dollar payroll at this point, but it's not likely to be, you know, the 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 top of the market or then competing with teams like the Dodgers for free agents this offseason. Right. So if you look at, um, I believe it's Spot Track, which um, you know includes some deferred salaries, which obviously the Orioles have some of those, but the payroll at the end of the season was about sixty four, sixty five million, and that's still a hundred million below league average. And so I don't think we're necessarily going to see them do that in one foul swoop. Um, it would be something. It would be an exciting offseason, certainly, if that's the case. I think if you look at even, say, the, the Cleveland Guardians, they won the AL Central with a payroll of a, a little over $80 million. And I think the Orioles will probably go, you know, would aim to go higher than that. Michael Elias, understandably, did not put a number out there. You don't want to tell agents and other teams where your kind of cap is, um, the number that you're going to stop at or aim for, um, because that obviously affects your negotiating position. But that is to say that if, if their salary went up to $80 million, that would still be, you know, a significant percentage increase, a quarter percentage, you know, 25 percentage 
increase, give or take. And so that that's to say that there's there's room to grow without necessarily becoming. Yeah, you're not going to see them at the top of the market. That's not going to happen. Obviously, there's off the field questions happening. There's a lease situation. There's an ownership legal situation. Um, there's talk of other investments they want to make into the ballpark. And obviously, um, you know, as they've discussed in terms of building this infrastructure at the minor league level, the Dominican Academy, the new left field wall, like there's all these other things that they're trying to do organizationally that as they discuss them, they refer to them as being things that take away from the ability to invest in the major league payroll. And we'll see how all that money works out. Um, but I, I, there's obviously a lot of room to grow. They were 29 to 30 teams ahead of only the A's. So there's room to grow. I don't think we're going to see them shoot up a hundred million dollars right. to be league average, but you don't, you don't say that until, you know, we're still, you know, a few weeks away from the off season starting and you don't know what they're going to do. Honestly, there, there's a lot of flexibility for them. There's a lot of room to grow for them and it, it will just have to see what they do. And then my last one for you, if I could, what, what do you make of, of where Brandon Hyde is? Like, do, do you think that he's going to get, you know, a, a, a longer extension and they're going to plant their flag with him or, is there still some uncertainty about his long-term future in Baltimore? I mean, the way that, you know, people in the clubhouse and Michael Eyes talk about him publicly, he's really well-liked. He's, he really is, you know, you, you, you hear it in the clubhouse that he's the same guy that he was in 2019 through 21. And as someone who interacted with him on a professional basis regularly, like it, it was very similar, you know, you could tell he was enjoying himself more, but you know, he, he was still a quippy, witty guy. He's, um, you know, fun guy to be around, fun guy to have a conversation with, knows baseball. Um, I know that people had their frustrations with him over the course of the season, but, um, you know, the Yankees have their frustrations with Aaron Boone. And so, like, I, I think Brandon Hyde, you know, is obviously going to be a finalist for, for manager of the year. He's going to be in a great position to win it. It is in a lot of ways the Overcome Expectations Award, and I don't know there's a team that overcame lower expectations than the Orioles. Um, but I, he's obviously going to be the guy who's around next year. I think that this year was definitely going to be um, a measuring stick in a lot of ways in terms of how does he handle this transition period of, of us bringing in these prospects, these guys that we've been talking about in terms of this rebuild for years. And I think next year is going to be more of the same. Um, you know, obviously if they take a step backwards, that's going to reflect poorly on him, but they, they're in a position now to, to take a step forward. They expect to contend uh, not only for a wild card spot, but for the American league East. And obviously there's additions they have to make to do that, but um, Brandon Hines is going to be the guy, you know, steering that car down the road. And so, um, I think it's, it's definitely something to watch in the long term. But in, in terms of what he did this season, I think he just established that, um, you know, he's a guy who's really well liked in that clubhouse um, with a winning team, with a losing team. And, and he did a lot to get them through that tough time. And now it seems like the organization is going to reward him by giving him a chance to, to guide what's expected to be a winning team. At Nathan S. Ruiz on Twitter is how you follow him. Baltimore Sun, BaltimoreSun.com to see his stuff. Is there anything else I can plug for you, my friend? No, I mean, we'll just keep keep pumping them out me and andy costco will keep writing stuff throughout the off season we've got some exit interview type stuff coming just talking to different players about how they evaluate their season things they want to work on this winter and uh, i think it'll be insightful stuff for Royals fans for and, sure and obviously one of the first winters in some time where it's like actually likely to be interesting to be around and covering the orioles because there could legitimately be stuff happening uh nathan really appreciate it man great stuff thank you so much for doing this this morning yeah sure thing man have a good one Nathan Ruiz covers the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Really in-depth, thoughtful conversation about the many uh, decisions that are in front of the Orioles at this point. And, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't. Um, but I'm intrigued. I, I really do genuinely believe this is an extraordinarily intriguing offseason as far as where they go with specific guys. And do they just come back with largely the same group and – 
and and do they still treat next year as like a year where they have to get some more answers about specific players before they can make bold decisions? I think his point about the flexibility, I tend to agree with. That outside of catcher, they just say, hey, this is a player, and we like this player. Wherever they play, they go ahead and sign him because they're not married to anyone else that's currently on the roster. Uh, quickly, and I'm sorry to have to say it like this. I, I need to tell everybody we had we worked really hard. We we're going to try to do a Tyus Bowser show next week. It's not Tyus's fault. Let me make this abundantly clear. This is on myself, a little bit on Rita. We're not available, and just the timing of trying to pull it off on a different night, it's just not going to work. Um, and then we wanted to do it the following week, but that's the week that the Ravens play on Thursday night, so it's just it's just not possible. So we're going to take a brief pause here in the midseason. We will be back the start of November. We're going to be back on November 1st with the next Tyus Bowser show. And we, we hate the fact that like we had to go so long between shows, but the good news is there's reason to think Tyus could get back on the field. And that the next time we talk to him, he's going to be on the field and playing. So I, I'm sorry. We tried, we, really, we tried so many different ways to try to pull off a show next week, and it's just not possible. So we're going to take a brief pause, but we will be back on November 1st for the next Tyus Bowser show. We want you to come out and join us. You can find out more by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The Tyus Bowser show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia. It is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. We will be at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Tuesday, November 1st for the next Tyus Bowser show. Hope to see you there. Uh, big event coming up this weekend. Uh, you don't normally, probably in your world, think about lacrosse this time of year, but um, there's a huge event going on at USA Lacrosse this weekend, and I'm honored to be a part of it. And it's always great to catch up with a buddy, Matt Hamilton, who's going to let us know more about what we're going to see as the U.S. national team starts getting ready for the World Championships next summer by hosting a big event this weekend. That also involves the University of Maryland playing some fall ball action. Matt Hamilton with us here on GCR from U.S. Lacrosse. Matt, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you as always, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. No problem. Thank you for having me on again. I think last time we talked was World Championships for the women, and now we got uh, you know the men's teams gearing up and fall classics happening. The Ravens are out of town. The Orioles are done. This is perfect weekend for lacrosse. That's what I think. And hopefully the weather will continue to be a, a lovely fall weather, a great time to be out there. Um, Matt, let me, let me get in on this really quickly. Um, first of all, I had what an experience it was the, uh, the world lacrosse women's world championships, this summer at Towson, some huge crowds out to see the U S I actually on top of working the event, I brought my family out for the England game on the 4th of July. And I mean, it was crazy. I mean, there was, there was crowds. It took us like 10 minutes to get in the stadium. Um, because the crowd was so awesome out there for that night. Incredible event, great for our region. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I can only imagine how good it was for the sport, getting all the attention. Um, Charlotte North is a superstar, and lots of uh, play on SportsCenter with some highlight goals. I just got to imagine it was a huge win for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was a crazy two weeks with, like, I think the first couple games had delays. The games were starting at 10 o'clock, but there's still a bunch of people coming to games, and the July 4th game that you went to was, it was just kind of special. You know, you don't get that opportunity often. And like, there were flags everywhere. There were fans waiting there on a holiday where I'm sure there were plenty other opportunities to go to family parties and they're here watching lacrosse. And um, obviously, selfishly, the U.S. winning gold was, you know, a highlight. And yeah, I mean, it was glowing success. You know, the visibility of women's lacrosse is, is growing with every day and to have it on ESPN and 
we had FC top 10 plays, I think four times during the two weeks. It was just like, it was, it was a blast to be a part of. And then obviously to top it off with gold was, was amazing. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was definitely a memory. No, it was very cool. So now, uh, and I, I don't, I, cause I know the women are involved this weekend too. So we'll get back to that, but we start focusing next summer out in San Diego, the men's world championships. And that's, what's really interesting to me about this weekend. So paint the picture broadly for me this weekend. I don't, I don't know how many times the national team is going to get together and how many camps they're going to be able to have between now and San Diego, um, how important is a weekend like this and getting to face, you know, Maryland, um, you know, both you know, all parts of your roster, two games on Saturday against the defending national champions. How important is this for the U.S. national team as they start looking ahead to the world championships next summer? I mean, it's, it's huge. It's like you said, there's not many training camps left. I think there's, you know, less than a handful before, you know, they head off to San Diego next June. And I mean, this team is, there's 52 guys out here. They're all vying for, you know, a much smaller roster size. And this is really the only like full scale action that they'll get to play against another team suit up in the Jersey and really show what they have to offer. And, you know, that's, it's an opportunity that comes around for fall classic for this men's team, you know, each year, but it's so much more magnified now that, you know, you're what, 10 months, nine months away from a world championship. And, you know, the, the, the cut down is going to happen eventually. And these guys have a chance on, you know, under the lights on a big stage against the national champions to really show what they have. You know, training camps are one thing, but to actually suit up, wear the jersey, it's a whole different element. So this is this is a major chance for these guys to kind of show what they have to the staff and really get, you know, recognized for that. So, yeah, it's, it's a big weekend for those guys. What jumps out at me for fans in the area, and, and look, we want people to watch as well at usalacrosse.com, but... Like, you got the opportunity to go out this weekend and literally see everyone. Like, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the PLL All-Star game or anything like that, but this is this is everybody. <laughs> this is all of the stars on the sport that are descending upon, um, you know, Little Hunt Valley or Sparks this weekend, right? Like, this is an opportunity for you to get an intimate look at literally the biggest stars in the sport in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing is, like, 52 guys, these are 52 of the best players in the world, like you said. You got, you know, reigning PLL champions. You have guys who, you know, won the NLL title this year. You have, you know, uh, more than a handful of gold medalists from 2018, all competing for spots on this team, and they're all just amazing at lacrosse. You know, it's just fun to watch them all play, and that's what makes the job of the coaches so hard. It's like the difference between a guy that gets cut and a guy that makes the team is, so small um, and, and just to make those decisions have to be insanely tough for this coaching staff. But just from a fan perspective, like these, these are the best, you know, men's lacrosse players out there and you, you can go watch PLL and, and see that as well. But this is a chance to see all these guys wearing USA playing at USA lacrosse, which is always special for these guys. Um, and you're bound to see some amazing plays and that's both from USA and from Maryland who, you know, went undefeated last right. year. And so it, yeah, you know, okay. it's just, it, yeah, right. And so it's a, it's a pretty special opportunity to see just amazing lacrosse. And that's both on the men's and women's side. But with 52 guys on this men's roster, I mean, that's just so much talent. That's probably more talent than we may have ever had at Fall Classic, just in terms of numbers. So, um, yeah, it's definitely worth the price of admission for that alone. Here's Matt Hamilton from USA Lacrosse. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Again, the Fall Classic is this weekend out in Sparks. 
Um, Matt, run down the the schedule of events for the weekend because again, I know I, we're talking a lot about the men's games, but it also involves the women going up against North Carolina. Like there could not be more going on out there this weekend. Yeah, busy weekend. It's a jam packed schedule, um, and that's you know we wouldn't have it any other way. But um, so it starts Friday night. Um, we have also kind of running along fall classic. We have the Brogdon cup, which is the kind of the high school, the top high school players in the nation are playing. So they're playing both at USA lacrosse and at St. Paul's. They start Friday. Then Friday night is the U S men. They have kind of an inner squad, the blue white showcase. And that's at 7 PM on Friday. And then Saturday is a jam packed schedule. You have the Brogdon cup running at St. Paul all day. Then you have the U S men versus Maryland. The first game is at nine 30. In between that is the U.S. women against North Carolina, the NCAA champion, and that's at noon. And then the U.S. men come back on, you know, another group plays Maryland at 2.30 on uh, Saturday. And then Sunday, we finish it up with the Brogdon Cup, the high school players all day at USA Lacrosse. So, yeah, it's going to be a pretty busy weekend. All right. Give me one name. Somebody that, because, you know, everybody knows, you know, Logan Wisnowski is, of course, the reigning towards and winner. Like, every... Give me a name that maybe a casual fan doesn't know about that you're saying, dude, when you're out there this weekend, your mind is going to be blown watching this guy play lacrosse. Oh, boy. There's, there's so many to choose from. Um, I'm trying to think of one that, like, isn't too familiar. Michael Sowers is obviously, you know, yeah, he won the PL championship. Pretty big star, amazing. yeah. Yeah. Um, another Maryland guy that is, you know, a star in his own right but maybe goes a little under the radar just because of his position is Michael Earhart. You know, he plays with a long stick, just absolutely brutal force on defense, super talented. He was the MVP of the last world championship. Um, trying to think of some names that, uh, that would stick out. Uh, Sam Hanley plays for Penn in college, and he's trying out for this national team. He is gigantic. I don't know what the numbers are, but he's like above 6'4", and just like a battering ram, runs into guys, scores goals that like you're not supposed to score. Okay. Um, he's awesome. And, and then Mike Sisselberger face-off guy, just another just jacked guy, and he just runs through people, wins face-offs left and right. Um, so those are a couple of the under-the-radar guys, and I'd I, say. And by the way, I just mentioned, like, the U.S. women. Like, Charlotte North will be there this weekend, too. You know, like, everybody, all of these stars are going to be out there in Sparks in a very intimate setting for an opportunity for you to check them out um, uh, out there. I, I can't wait, man. I am you know, give me a storyline for you that's interesting. Like, you know, you lose a Logan Wisnowskis, right? And you think, well, boy, it's, it's really hard to replace. I was talking to my buddy, you know, uh, speaking of U.S. lacrosse, I was talking to Patrick Stevens yesterday, and he's like, you know, the crazy thing about Maryland is, like, they just have so much that I, I don't even know that Logan Wisnowskis is irreplaceable. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that is quite the statement about where they are as a program at this point. Um, what are the interesting storylines for you as you get the opportunity to see Maryland defending national champions? I mean, for Maryland, it is, it's interesting in that, like, like you talked about with Zanowskis, when Jared Bernhardt graduated, we're like, how do they replace right. Jared Bernhardt? Right. Like, oh, yeah, here's another tour time. Right. Um, I, I do think it's going to be an interesting transition now with the Maryland offense, you know, who kind of takes over, who are the names that are really going to be the leaders of that offense? Because, I mean, no offense to who they have, but, you know, there isn't a tour, you know, there isn't a Wisnowskis and a Bernhardt waiting there. So it is, you know, who will take over on that offense. And I think that's something that they're probably still working through. Um, and that's something that I'm, you know, looking forward to watching for Maryland. Um, and I mean, that defense is going to be solid. The midfield's loaded again. They have veterans all over the place that will, you know, pick it up. But on that offense, they just lost Eric Maliver, who 
would have been, you know, probably one of those guys he lost in, lost him to injury uh, last week. So it'd be interesting to see who steps up in, in these games against the U S and um, these games can occasionally be competitive with the college team. So I'll be interested to see if Maryland can kind it of keep that undefeated run going. I, I, can, I can make, you know, a lot of people would say, hey, it's fall ball, you're messing around. But this is an opportunity for guys to make a statement, you know? Like, this is an opportunity for, I'm sure there are guys on the Maryland roster who want to be on the national team radar in the coming years and are like, yeah, uh, okay, it could be an exhibition all you want, but this is something that I want to do, so I have no doubt. The, the only bummer for me this weekend is that we won't get to see Dante Trader, right? Like, that's I want to see him on the field. I want to get the, I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to be the most special player of all time, but I just want to see him, and I think he's going to be a little unavailable this weekend. I think he might have some other things that are priorities for him. Uh, uh, yeah, on yeah, he might. Yeah, he, he definitely might. I don't know if uh, John Tillman can get a call into my class for yeah. having available fall classic. Don't, but you never know. Don't think it'll happen. Um, uh, Matt, where should people go to find out more if they want to go ahead and get tickets? What can, what all can we plug? Uh, I would I would follow us on on uh, you know the, the social channels at USA underscore Lacrosse on Twitter and at USA Lacrosse on Instagram. Um, there you can find the ticket links. You can follow us, the national teams if you can't watch and you're going to watch Glenn and his sultry voice on the on the stream. Feel free to follow our social channels um, at USA MLAX and at USA Women's Lax, and you can keep updated on that. Matt, really appreciate you as always. It's uh, it's an honor to be a part of it um, and get to, to to call games that involve the greatest athletes in the world. Uh, I do not I do not lose perspective of how fortunate we are to get to watch these dudes play and these women play. I can't wait to see them this weekend. We'll see you out there in Sparks. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Awesome. Thank you, Glenn. Matt Hamilton from USA Lacrosse checking in with us uh, again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. going to be a cool weekend. Huge weekend, you know, just because the Ravens are gone. Obviously, the Maryland Five Star happening this weekend in Cecil County. You start getting out there tomorrow. Got that going on at USA Lacrosse. A lot happening uh, despite the fact that, no, the Ravens are not home this weekend. All right, when we come back in, we'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular to wind it down for a Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover with demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit Join Baltimore countypd.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a three-and-a-half-star review, too. FanDuel Sportsbook Live Casino and Hotel now has same game parlay plus bets available for you. That means that you can include in your same game parlay both of the teams that are playing in the same game. So, for example, if this weekend you like the Ravens in the first quarter, I have hit on three consecutive Ravens first quarter bets. If you like the Ravens in the first quarter, but you like the Giants to cover in the end, you can do both things. You can play the Ravens in the first quarter and the Giants to cover. I think it's still five and a half, or did it go down to five? Did I see that move to five? Uh, I think yesterday it went down to five. Okay. I'm not sure what it's on right now. We'll double check on that in a second. If you want to have both ends of that in your parlay bet, you can. That's a very cool thing, and you can put up to 25 legs in a same-game parlay bet now. That's the same-game parlay plus option that you have. Um, There's some more cool things coming in the FanDuel Sportsbook, including cash-out opportunities. Uh, if you missed Leon Twyman on Simply the Bets yesterday, they are right now testing cash-out options in the FanDuel Sportsbook, so that will be coming in the next couple of weeks. Also, big fight, um, uh, 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 Deontay Wilder and Robert Hellenius fighting on Saturday, and you'll be able to watch that for free in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel and bet on the fights. They are expecting huge crowds, so I would encourage you to email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to reserve your spot today. What's the, is it still at five? It is still, still it's five and a half. Oh, five and a half. half. Yeah, back at five and I'm a half. I'm not crazy, though. It got down to five at one point? I believe so, yeah. It definitely did. I think probably I, during the show I, yesterday. I thought it moved yeah. to five at one point yesterday. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just drunk. I don't, <laughs> I don't drink anymore, which would make that very surprising, but... Maybe that's the case. No, I think you're right. Either, or we're both drunk. Well, that would be really weird. <laughs> Although it might improve the show. Might want to think about it. All right. Uh, tidbit brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. 
Uh, Griffin's going to do tidbit, which is, of course, perfect because he is uh, our grill model. He is our lovely. Now, when you go out, do you do you do you do you, you know use the sex appeal at all? Do you like? You know, do you I'm like, hey, uh, you want my sausage? No, no, no. I mean, like the way that you dress. Do you dress in appealing? No. Like it used to be. What uh? You know, it used to be that when we would, uh, once upon a time in in radio, you would have like the you would call them like the bod squad or something like that. You'd have oh, a, okay. You have a street team of attractive people. So and they would use sex appeal. So I should just take my shirt off. I should. I'm thinking maybe like correct. What was it? Was Zach Efron and and neighbors who just stood outside yeah. the J Crew store and like twirled the thing shirtless, right? Like, yeah. That was the play. I'm thinking maybe you know you play it up a little bit as you work as the the spokesman. Okay. I mean, if, this if you think that if you, if you think I I, I can I, pull that off, I think I think nothing to me says you need to buy this grill. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. The me standing shirtless with you sausage. Can, you can come see on a you tray. Can some, come see Griffin and sample the cooking from the Ginsu Kamado Grill before every Ravens home game this season at the Game Day Firehouse located at the Firefighters Union Hall, just west of the stadium, twelve hundred two Ridgely Street. Stop by, try some food, enter to win a Ginsu Kamado ceramic grill, five hundred dollars worth of grilling meats. Ginsu Kamado Grill, perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill for grilling, searing, baking, and smoking all kinds of food. Get the details. Reserve yours today, ginsugrills.com. Use that code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. All right, Jason Bernard, who is the an analytics manager for Major League Baseball, uh, did the put put together the final statistics uh, for the uh, left field wall at Camden Yards. Oh, okay. There were 57 balls uh, hit in that area that would have been home runs in 2021. So the old wall. Uh, 31 of those were hit by an Oriole. Okay. And he gave the top four players who had the most home runs lost to okay. the wall. You want to try to guess those um, four? Try to try it in order. In, oh, I'm, I, st- I think that still somehow Trey is on this list. He is, yes. He is yeah. number one. Six home runs lost despite Man, you know playing half the season. It's the, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, we saw him. Like, we watched. There was nobody that was more impacted than Trey Mancini was. Um. Okay. So, who else had the most home runs robbed? I got to think about right-handed hitters. Right-handed hitters. How about? How about Mountcastle? That would make sense, right? And that would be correct. Five home runs lost for Ryan Mountcastle, and then there are two guys tied with four. Four home runs lost. Four home runs lost. Uh, righties, righties. Uh, Austin Hayes. Not Austin Hayes. Not Austin Hayes. Did seem like he was hitting the ball over there a ton, though. Arias? Ramon Arias okay. is one of them. R- Rugi? Nope. Uh, another right-handed hitter. I mean, was it was it still somehow Santander because he had enough right-handed at-bats? Not Santander. Okay. I, I didn't expect it to be. But. Yeah. Do you want to hand or do you want to keep guessing? Mateo? Correct. Okay. Jorge Mateo lost four, tied okay. with Ramon Arias for okay. the most home runs lost due to the wall. All right. Um, and then I had another one, but I might be able to save it till tomorrow. Okay. Was well, that one good enough? Let's do that. Okay. Let's save it till tomorrow. All right, Very let's do good. It. We'll get uh, Tubular instead. Tubular brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. Again, it gets underway tomorrow. Come see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events, the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill. Presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County, Maryland. Five star dot us with the number five Maryland five star dot us. Two more uh, baseball playoff games in the National League, as we mentioned earlier. Game two of the respective division series. 
Uh, on Fox at 4.30, Phillies Braves. I mean, obviously massive game for the Braves today. Zach Wheeler and Kyle Wright, the pitching matchup there. Game two in the uh, Padres-Dodgers series is tonight at 8.30 on FS1. You Darvish and Clayton Kershaw. That's a pretty decent little matchup there. You Darvish and Clayton Kershaw. 8.30 tonight. Capital season gets underway tonight. They host the Bruins at 7 o'clock on TNT. Trey Wingo will be there, apparently. Uh, I don't know if he'll be on. The, I don't think he'll be involved in the broadcast, but he'll be at the game. Uh, Blackhawks Avalanche, 9.30 on TNT. College football tonight. Louisiana and Marshall. Little... Uh, little fun belt act. Or is that Conference USA? That's Conference that is USA, isn't it? Marshall, yeah, Marshall Conference CSU USA. USA. I always CSU thought that Louisiana was in the fun belt. So I'm, is it potential as a non-conference matchup? No, I also think it's possible that these teams move conferences and like we just uh, didn't. Yeah. You know, who cared? We didn't pay attention. 7.30 on ESPN2. Champions League this afternoon on Paramount Plus. The uh, Golazo Show at 3 on CBS Sports Network. Round one of the PGA Zozo Championship, which I believe is in Japan. That's at 11 o'clock tonight. That's uh, why that happens that way. That's on the Golf Channel. Some preseason hoops on ESPN. Nets Bucks at 7.30. T-Wolves Lakers at 10. TBS for AEW Dynamite tonight at 8. Non-sports-wise, anything that stands out? A uh, new episode of Survivor. Big. Ah, yes. And then huge. a couple finales. Uh, welcome to Wrexham. Their first season. Everybody tells me over. I need to spend the time with it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm finally through Dahmer, so I have the ability to get into something. Probably not this week, because, again, I'm a very busy man. But I do have the ability to sit down and start something else, and I keep being told that it's worth spending time with Welcome to Wrexham. So, look, I like the parties involved, so yeah, it just didn't really seem like it would be... like I like them doing scripted shows, you know what I mean? I didn't think this was something that was going to be for me, but I am to understand it's worthy of my time. Right, I think I'm considering checking it out as well. Also, the season 13 finale of Archer... Ah, yes. I'm actually a couple episodes behind, so I, don't, I got some... Don't spoil it. Right, correct. Very important. Uh, new episode of Andor, the Star Wars show, uh, Big Shot, season two premieres, the John Stamos, like he's coaching basketball. Um, this is on Disney Plus as well. I'm good. And then the Peacock uh, documentary series premieres today, I Love You, You Hate Me, the Barney documentary. What like the, the hell? Barney, the dinosaur. This is like the dark side of Barney. Correct. Yeah. There's a dark side of Barney. Yeah. You haven't seen like the 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 commercial, like no, the previews and stuff. Not at all. They're like kind of, they're not like pushing it hard, but like they've like I feel like on YouTube I get like ads for it all the time. They're like, it was like you know he's such a friendly dinosaur, and then what he's a but the and then the, and then was, the, was the, the guy the inside guy, of Barney a creep? Is no, that? no, I don't think he was because I think it's him who the show's about, and he's like I don't know why people would say Barney's hiding drugs in his tail because oh like, so it's all it's of, about how people were weirdos about yes, Barney. About it's it, not yes. that Bar- okay. Well, that's dumb. I'm not in it. <laughs> that does not even remotely interesting. I definitely remember we all did the I I hate you, you hate me. Let's hang Barney from a tree. I remember we did that as kids, but. I mean, come on. The whole thing is... I, I thought there was a real story here. Like, I thought they... I know. I, I, yeah, I think... This is just, not interesting. Not. This is just not. I'm sorry. I'm out. All right. Thank you. That is it. Yeah. Very good. Thanks today to uh, Trey Wingo. Thanks also to Ben Baldwin, the uh, the fourth down bot guy. That was fascinating. Thanks to uh, Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun and to Matt Hamilton from USA Lacrosse. We'll get it all up in the greatest hit section of the Archers. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow on the program, Cody Benjamin from cbssports.com. Uh, We're going to talk to him. He definitely is sniffing around the DJ Moore thing with the Ravens and the idea that they should be a little bit more all in um, he's written about that. Former NFL safety Tank Williams is going to join us. Uh, Charles Davis is going to join us tomorrow before he calls Ravens-Giants Sunday for CBS. Uh, we will get picks with Ken Zalis. we got a betting show to do. we got weekend at bookies to do. We're going to have a, oh, yeah, it's a busy, busy day, day tomorrow. tomorrow. we got a lot going on. Gonna going to be up against it a little <laughs> bit, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. 
Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Maryland Five Star, Guilford Hall Brewery, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, if you missed it yesterday, we got a new uh, feature that we're doing on TikTok uh, as uh, uh, MC Ernie is uh, putting us on the spot for our top three now. And we started, we kicked that off with top three Blink 182 songs because Blink 182 is coming back and Griffin really knocked it out. Oh, yeah. You, you guys got to check out what my, what yeah, my favorite Blink 182 from, I'm not going to give it away. From our buddy Griffin. All right, so uh, find that on TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday night. Uh, go nobody in particular. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>